All right, y'all. So for Carm's Corner this week, I will be talking about uh, just a brief little recap. Um, so WrestleMania just happened. Uh, we had the uh, very anticipated match, first black female uh, wrestling match between two black females in the in WrestleMania history mm-hmm. between Bianca. How do you say her last name? Belair. Belair. Like Fresh Prince of Belair. Okay, cool. Because I, I figured that, but I didn't want to get it wrong. Yeah. And then cool. um, Sasha Banks. Mm-hmm. Yes. So as we all know, Bianca won. Hello, um, boo. So now she is a SmackDown women's cha- she's a SmackDown women's champion. Um, so basically, mm-hmm. it was like Bianca's power and power and athleticism against the smooth technical wrestling ability of Sasha. Mm-hmm. But Bianca came out victorious. So with that being said, I think that's great for women. You know, I think it's crazy that's the first time it's ever been a, like a headliner all black match. That's mm-hmm. kind of wild to me. And it was the main event. In the main event, so that's a big deal, especially for a wrestling like wrestling, which is I feel like is a highly white kind of sport. It is. Big deal for them. Congrats to them. So with that being said, I wanted to talk about some of the women that came before them in the wrestling game mm-hmm. and some of that I and honestly, obviously, there's there are there was the first woman who was a wrestler and, you know, she obviously is important. But I want to talk about people that I used to grow up watching when I was watching wrestling heavy because I used to love wrestling like The Rock, Stone Cold, all that. That was my thing. So I want to talk about some women that I remember. So first and foremost, I remember y'all know China. Mm-hmm. Okay. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. to China. She was the first woman to enter into a Royal Rumble. Rumble, a first woman to be the number one contender for the WWF title. She won the WWF Women's Championship, and she was a WWF Intercontinental Champion as well, mm-hmm. two times. Mm. So that's China. So besides her, I want to get in depth. And my girl, I loved her. She was like my favorite female wrestling growing up. Lita. I knew you was gonna say Lita. Yes, she was like so was cool. Like she was all right. So let me just get into get into it. So just her accolades. She was a four-time WWE Women's Champ and a PWL Woman of the Year in 01. Mm. Okay. Her real name is Amy Dumas. She was born in Florida, grew up in Georgia. She's born in 1975, so she's like 45 right now. She still look good too. Yeah, she does look really good. She retired in 06 from wrestling. She dated Matt Hardy, as we all know. That's how she kind of got into the to the vid. She dated Edge, Kane, the whole storyline. you already know. Well, wrestling fans know. Oh, man. Um, her WWE career lasted for six years. Um, so her early years, she dropped, out, she dropped out of college from Georgia State to pursue a wrestling career. She went to Mexico in 1997 to learn about wrestling after watching a name that you might sound here familiar, a luchador named Rey Mysterio Jr. Mm-hmm. on Monday Nitro which is a world champion wrestling program. They used to come on back in the 90s. So after watching that, she went to Mexico, kind of got immersed in wrestling. And then um, she began her wrestling career in the early, in ni- basically in the late 1990s. Then she met Jeff and Matt Hardy. And then what happened? She signed the WWF in 1999. Okay, she debuted in 2000. And then she got a big following when she joined the Hardy Boys on Team Extreme. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she's also known for a, a wardrobe kind of style that is obviously very out of style and no one would do it now. She used to have her undergarment showing. Yes. Her thong. No shame. I was going to say, you sure they don't do it now? Because no. I swear, every time I, I scroll mean, Instagram. I mean, here's the thing. A thong is supposed to be so you're under, you don't have the line of your underwear when you wear things. Right. But she just had hers all hanging out, which I thought was so different, especially when I was a kid. I was like, oh my God. Like, and she's she wore so the bold. super baggy pants. Yeah, and it was the like, super cargo. I was like, yeah, baggy pants. Where else the pants going to go? Right. So her biggest rival was Trish Stratus. Mm-hmm. Y'all probably know that name. 
Um, she appeared in the women's so so after she retired, which was in 06, she appeared in the women's Royal Rumble in 2018 in her 40s. And she did a 10 woman tag team match that same year where her, Trish Stratish, Natalia, Sasha Banks, Bailey fought against Mickey James, Alicia Fox, and the Riot Squad. Mm-hmm. And she was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2014. Okay, so her life ever since then, she's been working with the WWE as a producer. She was a commentator in 2017 at WrestleMania 33. And in March 2020, she announced her, um, uh, I guess it's like a TV show coming out called Kayfabe with former wrestlers Christy Helm and Gail Kim. So it's going to be a wrestling show coming out that got in, well, she announced it in 2020. So one of my favorite wrestlers growing up, Lita, she's still, you know, relevant, still kind of in the game. She still looks really good. Look at her Instagram. I think her Instagram name was like Machete Girl. She aged pretty well. She looks really good. So shout out to her. She was my fave. And growing up watching wrestling besides China. So she is my highlight for today's Carm Corner. Just to honor some of the female wrestlers that came before this momentous event, which is a big deal for women. For so sure. shout out to Lita. Mm-hmm. Okay. Big holding her out. own. Holding her own. Even though she got messed up with that neck injury, kind of kept her out for a bit. Yeah. She came back, still wrestling in her 40s. So shout out to her. Mm-hmm. Big shouts out to them. Everybody in general. Like the women in general, they're doing so much now. I remember just like watching a little bit last night and I'm just like wow like these women like actually compete now like I I don't ever I don't think I ever want to see like a bra and panties match ever again no, I don't or like they're doing stupid like modeling like bikinis and stuff and like the fans chair I never want to see that again because these women like actually put on crazy matches yeah like solid five star matches especially my girl Charlotte Flair so gotta love them Absolutely. And um, yes, WrestleMania was once again a two night event that happened this past weekend on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, it was actually a really good night for uh, for black excellence. For sure. Yeah. Um, Bobby Lashley became the first African-American um, since, I believe, The Rock mm-hmm. um, to come in as WWE champion and successfully defend this title. Mm-hmm. Um, you we got an up trying to think. Um we got two cha- we got two new uh, black champions. Uh, one is uh, one half of the WWE Raw Tag Team Champions, Omos, mm-hmm. and he's uh, from Nigeria. Yes, too. and Apollo Cruz, who's also of Nigerian descent. Yeah. So we got two Nigerian um, champions as well, and obviously we have you know Sasha Banks and uh, Bianca Belair, um, the first two black fem- women to um, headline a main event uh, WrestleMania card. So. It's pretty dope. Yeah, it was great good. To I, see. I was a little emotional. I'm not gonna lie. Every time I see something black happen in WWE, just not really used to it. Yeah. So like when it goes down, like I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. So like when I saw like you know before the match, like when the match bell rang and like both of them are trying to hold in like not their crying. tears. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm trying to hold back my tears. As I ain't well. gonna front. I was there too. Yeah. I feel like it's like it's one of those things where it's like you know like when you start seeing someone crying and then like you're gonna start doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> But anyway, uh, congratulations. Thank, uh, congratulations. Shout-outs to Bobby Lashley. Um, Shout-outs to Omas. Shout-outs to Apollo Crews. Shout-outs to Sasha Banks. Shout-outs to Bianca Belair. Shout-outs to the whole squad. Yeah, absolutely. Good job, Carms Corner. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Until next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, we, have a, we have a lot um, in store today. So um, at the top of the hour, at 6 o'clock, we have a phone call with uh, – Somebody who I met during the Senior Bowl who covers the Detroit Lions, a Detroit native, Nick Farber. And at 620, once again, 
Uh, we're going to have Jeff Bowers from the Sports Narrative calls in to uh, talk more about the uh, the NFL draft as he is down in Dallas getting ready for the NFL draft as well. Um, and NFL um, topics as well. You know that the article The Athletic came out about Harry Roseman and um, Jeffrey Lurie and the fallout between Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. Some NBA topics as well. Unfortunately, Jamal Murray was uh, diagnosed um, earlier this morning with a torn ACL during last night's loss against the Golden State Warriors. Mm. Yeah, and uh, plenty others. And if you want to join the discussion, Mark, get that call number. Of course, that phone number is 215-763-9596. Absolutely. So without further ado, we're going to, you know, start off with a topic that we, you know, decided to hold off until um, this week. Uh So have you guys figured out what is your favorite black television couple? Well, ladies first. I mean, I figured it out, but they're not on TV. It's from a movie. That's but I mean, you better still... not say them that toxic couple that people were just watching. Who uh, the black and white movie on Netflix? No, first of all, no. Oh, Malcolm and Marie. Yeah, I was gonna say. I didn't even watch that. So. Oh, I, I did. I, Don't watch I, it. I've never saw anybody degrade somebody while eating mac and cheese. It's basically the twenty twenty or our generation's dating scene. Yeah. In a movie, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend. I don't. I wasn't even interested in watching that. But anyways, no. So my favorite black. TV movie couple would have to be Sydney and Dre from Brown Sugar. Oh, okay. Well, that's not that's not bad. I'll because take that. I just first of all, I love that movie. To me, it's a classic, mm-hmm. and I just love the relationship. And I think for me, it really just nails the. I mean, puts the hammer on the nail that friendship is always the key to like a long lasting relationship. Mm-hmm. And they've been friends, like truly friends most of their lives. And then, you know, they ended up having feelings for each other. They went through a lot to get there. You know, they could have just told each other, but you know, it's a movie, but I think I like their relationship because they're so close. Like they had, they seemed like they really were just friends. Like they really just liked each other and you know, they just were there for each other. So they're my favorite mm-hmm. movie so, TV couple. Let me ask you this real quick. So you'll take, that couple over love and basketball since we're talking movies. Hell yeah. Because I thought we were specifically keeping it as just sitcoms or TV well, shows. Well, I, I, listen, I couldn't, I couldn't pick on TVs and sitcoms. So that I didn't, love I didn't... and basketball is horrible. Well, no, a lot of chicks love that relationship. I don't that get story. why. It's horrible. No, I would definitely take Dre and Sydney over uh, Monica and Q any day. Okay. Definitely. Because, I mean, with Monica and Q, they was they truly were friends, too, and they did know each other from kids, just like in um, Brown Sugar. Mm-hmm. But the way they handled their relationship and their ups and downs, it just wasn't it wasn't healthy. Just the way it ended. Right. It wasn't healthy. They're not he talking for 10 years. Yeah. yeah like it was. Then, and then you just come back into the mix. And yeah, obviously that happens. Sometimes you take a break from someone. The love is still there. But um, I think that Sid and Dre. They kept their friendship on the forefront most of the time. They never separated from each other. They tried to like work it out, even though they had those like conflicting feelings of "I love you" like like more like a fr- more than a friend, but I'm your friend. You know, they kind of were torn with that. Right. Sydney, I mean, Monica and Q. I think they had a real love between each other, like from childhood. But the way they handled it was just. Q was a jerk. Yeah, it just wasn't he was healthy. A, he was a jerk. Yeah. Especially especially when he got to USC and he was on yo he did her so dirty that one night. At the uh, at the party, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, that whole thing. Here's the thing: he was upset because she couldn't be there for him in his moment when he was devastated about his dad. I get that. Like you want your close people to be your relationship, anybody. 
to be there for you in your darkest moments. And to him, that was his darkest moments. He's seen his dad for what he really was. Okay, yeah. cool. But you could have went about it a better way. You could just said, listen, like I need a break from you. I feel like you're not there for me. But even from that one incident, you're gonna have a whole other chick because I didn't come, I didn't hang out with you one night. Right. Like that's mm. wild. In love and brown sugar. You know, Sydney and Dre, they never really did each other dirty. They just weren't admitting their feelings and they hurt other people. They didn't really like hurt each other in a way. They always kept each other like an importance. So they just said, fuck her. I mean, forget everybody else. <laughs> Sorry. So foul. Sorry. You get what I'm trying to say. You've been telling a line uh, a lot. Every, every oh, week. Okay, it's, well, it's listen. Okay, hard. well, listen. I love it. All right, well, oh my god, man. <laughs> every week, Sydney and Dre are my favorite couple. You go ahead now, Mark. Um, Keep it she, um, what I got, I don't, I don't, Chris, you go first. I'm still gathering my thoughts. I was gonna say, um, um, the Huxtables, okay, Claire and um, yeah, Cliff, yeah, yeah I was gonna say Claire and Cliff. I mean, because it was like. I mean, for me growing up, it was like one of the first times you see like a full like black family, you know, and then everybody, you know, playing their roles. And it's not only just like a full black family, it's a, it's a successful black family. Like, you know, everyone's educated, you know, trying to show their kids the right way and teach them values and morals, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, I thought that was very cool. And then like we even talked about it a little bit off air last week how it even spun off to a different world. So, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, the Bill Cosby situations are the reason why you can't, you know, see the Cosby show or a different world right now. But definitely, like, those, those couple right there yeah. is, is great. So that's, that's, that's who I would rock with. Okay, yeah. that's respectable. Yeah. yeah. And um, honestly, now that I think about it, um, my answer would be from a different world. Um, I love uh, Dwayne and Whitley. Ah, oh, right, yeah. right. I've never seen a different world, so I can't comment. Yeah, no, it was good. No, it just was that, good. that wedding scene where it was like, "Baby, please." <laughs> That's yo. Speaking of that, they need more like begging music. Yeah, like men trying to get their women back. Yeah. Don't make that kind of music no more, yeah. because everybody just like on to the next one. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. That that John, baby, please. She was like, "Yeah, I, yeah. I'll take you also, back." Also, shout out to Ron, man. Ron's a real friend. Like, yes, I'm here for security. <laughs> Facts. I'm surprised you ain't say um, dark skin um, Aunt Viv and Uncle Phil. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody counts the light skin, but the light skin one was on the show the most. Technically, yeah. it was about even. They both did three seasons. Listen, you ain't gonna slander light skin and on the show, man. No, no, no. we ain't gonna slander, man. Relax, relax. I know everybody. I know everybody loves you know you know you know early season and Viv. Everybody does. And uh, you saw that Fresh Prince special? I did see yeah, it. Yeah, so. I did see it. That was uh, actually, it was moving. Yeah. It was moving. Yeah, I'm glad everybody got a. <laughs> Why did I believe you when you say it was moving? It sounded like I don't, so. Because I don't have, like, I don't have, like, sometimes. It was moving. Sometimes yeah. I don't have, like, emotion in my voice when I say certain things, so I actually get that a lot. <laughs> People are like, yo, are you serious? I'm like, yo, I'm dead serious. Uh, okay. I just don't I gotta watch that, actually. have any emotion in my voice. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, but uh, once again, you listen to 98.5 WJYN, Chris Martin Carr, and I finally got the dump buttons ready set up, you know, in case Carr messes up again. Please. Oh, my God. Ready. Yeah, man. Sorry. Yeah, man. You, you've been towing that line, and you've been stepping over your habitual line stepping now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so oh, uh, yeah, so that's our little sidebar for the week. You know, if you want to call in, give us your favorite black TV couple. You want to get that phone number again, Mark? 215-763-9596. Yeah, and... Um, 
So um, let's dive right into the NBA. Um, last night, I want to talk more about that uh, that Warriors uh, Nuggets game last night. Unfortunately, Jamal Murray tears ACL. But um, on, on it was a non-contact injury too. Yeah. So yeah. But, I don't think uh, he was ready to come back. Yeah. Because how did that happen? Like he wasn't even. All he did was just kind of like you know push his leg to just kind of go up for the the layup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's literally the same way I tore my ACL. That's how I knew when he fell. I'm like, yep. That's an I, was, I saw that. Like, it kind of reminded me a lot of Derrick Rose. It was tough, man. It's tough yeah. to watch. But it is. I don't know. I feel like I'm, I'm starting to get numb to it now. Yeah. You just see it so often. Yeah, but uh, when I was watching also um, the game last night against the Mavericks, when I saw Shake Milton go down, and then mm. like they put that thing on his knee, I'm like, oh, my God, please, please, no. Oh, Lord. But uh, he got right back up, and he went right back in like after the time. Sorry, that's like, oh, the last God. thing we need is more injuries to our yeah. side. But uh, I want to talk more about Steph Curry. Steph Curry, um, Past Will Chamberlain last night as the all-time Warrior score. Mm-hmm. I believe it took him about 300 more games to do that. Yeah, that makes but, sense. Yeah, I mean, Steph never averaged like 50 a game Yeah, and was the tallest man out there. I mean, but hey, if you look at it like this, both players revolutionized the game. Absolutely. And um, so I got to say this for anybody who still, you know, still tries to slander Steph for, you know, because this team is, you know, still a few games under 500 and 10th in the West. Please stop it. Yeah. Steph Curry is one of the few players in the NBA that really has absolutely nothing left to prove. When you think about his impact in terms of what he does for Golden State, it rivals what Jordan did in Chicago, rivals what LeBron did in Cleveland, it rivals even what Dirk did in Dallas. This man revolutionized three-point spot. He's the reason why centers need to start shooting three-pointers because if Agreed. not, you're not going to have a job unless your name is Steven Adams or Andre Drummond. Um, and more importantly, with the way he did it, and he listen, this guy, his style of play, along with Clay Thompson, along with Draymond Green, and the veterans that they had, you know, convincing them to come in, you know, Andre Iguodala, uh, Sean Livingston, they revolutionized, you know, that, what was already in place, you know, um, in the earlier years with Mike D'Antoni and Don Nelson's seven seconds or less offense, mm-hmm. the entire spreading of the floor of everybody, you know, getting three points, um, the amount of clips of shooting three pointers, nobody runs off ball screens better than Steph Curry. I can't think of anybody who's better off ball than Steph Curry. Probably his, his teammate, probably the closest person to him. Honestly, the only two that really come to mind is probably Clay and Allen Iverson. Yeah. But, uh, well, I think Re- Reggie, um, not Reggie Miller. Well, him too. Yeah. With Rip Hamilton. Yeah. Rip Hamilton always was able to get open. Even you can even throw JJ Redick up there. But I'm not saying they're better than yeah. Steph. But they can definitely get open without the ball. Yeah, but it's like when I watch Steph Curry, like the guy just like he he set screens also try yeah. also get himself open as well. Yeah. So it's like, and that's what the confusion is because you don't typically see that from the guy you're trying to get open. They're setting him multiple screens yeah. and mismatches and every and switches or whatever. So then he finally gets open, but Steph he'll set a screen and slip. Next thing you know, he's wide open. Yeah. So. Yeah, it took him like. Just the first quarter to do it, too. He had 21 in the first quarter and then surpassed Will in the first. Mm-hmm. And then he had a 52-point game. 53. 53-point mm-hmm. game. 10, 10 three-pointers made. So, yeah, that game was crazy. When I was start, I started to watch it after the Sixers, and I wasn't going to – like, I love the Warriors. But I was a little tired, so I wasn't going to watch it. But then when I seen Steph, like, make, like, two threes back-to-back, I was like, oh, he about to go off. Mm-hmm. So I kept watching, and I was like, Steph is crazy. He just is just so effortless. And like I was talking to Chris about no, this. It's effortless. <laughs> anyway. So like I was talking to Chris last night and uh, I was I'm saying, you, yeah, like I was saying, um, like I was saying to Chris that 
I admire Steph so much because him being the shooter that he is is truly just off his skill set and off his work ethic. Yeah. Because yes, he has God given talent, clearly, but like LeBron, LeBron's big as heck. You know, he's gonna be able can I say heck? You can yeah, say you it. Can say you heck. can say heck. Okay, perfect. You made it. Perfect. So LeBron's big. Steph, he truly had to work in his skill. He's a shooter, you know. So shout out to Steph and just his hard work, his work ethic, three time MVP. He's just the man. And people always kind of throw Steph slander because the team isn't the best right now. But honestly, I was watching the game last night. And the problem with the Warriors is, obviously, when Steph is on the bench, offense kind of is stifled. But the biggest thing is they get shots, the Warriors. they There's nobody is making them. Make them. Like Wiggins, I never have liked Wiggins. Like, to me, Wiggins is just kind of like mediocre to me. And I and it's just they get shots. They just do not make them. It don't matter what it is. A three For a pointer. High draft pick. He didn't yeah. really pan out, right? A Leah, like a layup. Yeah. Whatever it is. Even we got Wiggins, one of them on our team. Even Wig, even Wiggins can't like. It's just what are y'all doing? And this, it sucks for Steph because Steph be putting in numbers. He contributes. Wiggins is inconsistent. Kelly Oubre started the season. That's probably one of the worst three point shooters in the league for the amount of threes that he put up in the air. Draymond's been hurt. And now James Wiseman's been hurt. Marquise Chris is out. Clay Thompson got hurt before the season. Yeah. And when you look at this team, it's a completely different makeup than what the Warriors are used to. There's no veterans on the side. There's no, you know, Andre Cadalla or like Sean, Sean Livingston, Livingston yeah. to pretty much help Steph out, you know, have that veteran veteran presence to help the young guys. It's literally just Steph and Draymond. So the fact that they're still 10th in the West, so technically they still qualify for a play-in tournament. They do. Is something to, you know, be marvelous. And Steph Curry, when you look at his numbers, they're nearly, they're nearly identical from when he won it unanimously a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Right, and he's only getting older. Not saying he's, like, old. He's not, but in NBA terms, he's just getting older, and he's still producing. He's still kind of just being the same Steph Curry that he's always been. His game hasn't really changed. So uh, The beauty about Steph as well is, like, he doesn't have, like, a high-impact game. It's not based off of all athleticism the way we see, like, Russell Westbrook or – John Wall, John Moran, like it's all finesse. So he's actually it's it's up to him because, like you said, Chris, he doesn't have much left to prove, but he can play for a long time. He can play for a long time. I mean, if he just doesn't get hurt, if he watches his, the angles, hey, look, even if he still gets hurt, he got all oh, he got. He can just spot up and shoot and get open. No, yeah, I know what I'm saying. Like, it's just still the wear and tear average, of his body. Still average like 22. Easily, yeah. I mean, but it's it's gonna be different if he keeps hurting himself. Oh, is, it's gonna be yeah. different. I got an uh, interesting stat here. So I have uh, multiple seasons with three plus 50-point games. This is very interesting. Oh, here company. we go. Here we okay. go. I already know Harden's on the list. I get it. It's Harden, Steph, Will, and Can Kobe. I finish? Dang. Boom. Uh, actually, it's Michael Jordan. Oh, Jordan. Uh, Kobe. Kobe Bean Bryant. Harden, Stephen Curry, and yes, you guessed it, James Harden. Yeah, I I, I, I messed up. The, I'm thinking about the Warriors. I'm thinking about Will. Sorry, it's Jordan. okay. But yes, that's a very interesting stat right there. Oh yes, James mm-hmm. Harden. Great job. Yeah, but shout out to Steph. Keep doing what you're doing. Listen, <laughs> listen, keep that ten spot, or you know, keep going up better. We will. I would love to see him. You shout know, out to Steph, playoffs, man. man. Nah, he's been doing well. That's the thing about this new play-in tournament. It, <laughs> all they need is one game. One game. The Mavericks aren't, aren't liking this playing tournament. You seen Luca and Mark Cuban talking out about that, saying, "Why well, I don't get it? Why I play seventy-two games? Then if I have two bad games, I'm out, etc." Which is a point. Well, yeah, well, you play seventy-two games. Yeah, well, here's, <laughs> like, my, well, here's my thing. What you mean? Well, 
I kind of agree with him because the layout's different. But in the end, like rule changes happen every single year. No, the- I don't. I don't agree with it at all. That's like in street ball, right? When we be playing, the game will go to sixteen or eleven or whatever, right? We're playing twos the entire game, ones and twos. Then when it's game point, they're like, "Oh no, you can't shoot twos." What do you mean? Like, be up? Like, what do you mean? You had the whole game to try and stop us and no, slow us down. No, no, I think and it's, it's the same thing for the season. You got the whole season to win these games. I'm to not dis- proper I'm seating. not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying. Right. No, I'm just saying. Like, I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, if you handle your business, you don't got to worry about it. Right. That. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. That's, you handle your business. You got nothing to worry Dang, about. Chris this. has dropped the game but, on that one. Well, all I'm saying is this, though. But, but to the matter of, I mean, when, but also I got a question for Mark Cuban and Chris and uh, Luca Doncic. When was the last time Chris S. Porzingis played basketball? No, what's that? Isn't he? Is he hurt? Still, he's always hurt. Yeah, I mean, he's what was seven, he doing before that? What was he doing before that? Though? He was being hurt in New York. Okay. No, I'm saying, what was he doing on the Mavs before he got hurt and he couldn't play again? Oh, he's putting up a game. Yeah, he just, but he's still getting hurt. <laughs> Hold on, let me see. Let's see. What was his stats? Oh before? my goodness, man. <laughs> let me let me find Chris. We don't even even think about ass. Chris stats for Skip Sapp stats. Because listen, because if, if you're not on the court and it really don't matter. If you're not on the court, then watch not worry about you. All right, so he's basically averaging twenty and ten when he plays. Yeah. Pretty good think, when he know, plays. Yeah, you gotta think, and also with that giant wingspan, he's probably averaging get like a block or two a game. Yeah. So, in the end, listen, Luca, I, I get why people are kind of sour on him because he whines a lot. But in the end, take care of what you need to take care of. Mm-hmm. Also, speaking of the Mavericks, um, yo, did did you feel like when you see JJ Redick on that sidelines, can you like feel the salt? Can you feel like the salt coming out of your TV when you see him on the sidelines? He just looks sick. Yeah, like, got- like, 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 mad. Like that he's <laughs> Is he there. for the Mavs now? Yeah, he got yeah. traded to. The, yeah, he got traded to the Mavericks on the <gasps> trade deadline. Yeah, he just looks he sick. Yeah, but I'm more than them. They went against his wishes because he wanted to go to Brook because he wanted to get bought out and go to Brooklyn. Yep. But they traded him to Dallas. The Pelicans traded him to Dallas instead. Right. I, here's here's my thing. What what makes you think? You go ahead. That's fine. Oh Lord. Uh yeah. Oh, continue your point. Oh, my bad. I'm like, so for him in New Orleans, like, what makes you think that you got pull? Where it's like, he's a vet, man. 98.5 WJYM, running back sports. Yeah, it's already on. What's going on, Mr. Norris? How you doing? How you doing, crew? How you doing, crew? What's up, Mr. Norris? Hey. I'm off of my deepest condolences to the family young man lost life in Minnesota. Yes. And that just goes to show um, think some things never change. Yeah. And to you, and to you, and to you fellas, and all young folks out there listening to anything, um, always protect yourself, okay? Try not to find yourself in a position where you might be in that position and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not sometimes it's not of your own doing, but just be mindful and watch yourselves out there. Thank you, thank you. Absolutely. Okay. And one of the things I've been on many high years I've been recuperating since I had to help somebody who doesn't have a who doesn't have a car, who doesn't have a license and anything move, you know, off you know, in between you know, working my day job and my night job and anything, you know, uh, I ain't you know naming nobody, this mission was a cave too. But moving on from that. We're, we're glad you're feeling better. Oh, Mr. Norris, thanks for helping out, you know. We appreciate it on Chris's behalf. Oh, no problem around around, you know. You know, I, I had to go to work, have a sleep that night and all, you know, but it was no problem. 
(laughs) Chris, did you thank your father properly for helping you? I I did all day. (laughs) Oh, I'll tell you how he thank me. When he came time to put your head back in the van, they say, uh, Dad, you got PayPal? No. You got Cash App? No. Oh, well, uh, see, you know, I want to come down to your job tomorrow and I'll bring you the money and everything. You know, hit me with a wimpy, you know, grab a piece of this for a hamburger day. But that was his moving gift. There you go, son. You're welcome. Hey, I get it. Like, I mean, listen, y'all, look, y'all gotta get with technology, all right? Shoot, we, we don't be passing these monies back and forth hand by hand. It's all electronic. Shoot, my dad owed me a couple dollars now. I'm about to text him. Oh, you put your dad on blast now? Yeah, I just, I just, yeah, I just, yeah, cause, uh huh, cause he ain't had no cash at. Mm-hmm. My uh, dad, so I'm call him up. now. Help you're him get that set up. <laughs> I had a friend of mine who got hit with a cash, got hit with a cash scam, but everything cost twelve hundred dollars. Oh, well, that's different. Yeah. Ooh, I, I see. Another I friend, see. he got hit with PayPal. Somebody scammed on PayPal fifteen hundred dollars. <clears> so yeah, sometimes it's good to have cash on hand. That's true. Uh, cash is king. Yeah. Anyway, credit is king. Bird. On to the bird. So we see the draft thirty years now. The closer and closer we get to the draft, because. I hear all these trade rumors going back and forth with the other as long as the other teams. I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I think well, Chris, Mr. Norris, Chris is going to talk about what he thinks the Eagles are going to do later on in the hour. But go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, Chris. but uh, uh, what I think is going to happen, honestly, I don't know. Especially with that athletic article dropping about Howie Roseman and uh, Jeffrey Lloyd pretty much having like their own personal, uh, you know. Staff evaluators, and apparently they wanted to draft Paris Campbell as opposed to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, even though Paris Campbell is actually statistically and rank-wise a worse wide receiver than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Um, I I came into the draft season um, optimistic because the Eagles have low expectations, just like when I watch WWE. If you have low expectations, they can't disappoint you. But after this article dropped, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I, I really hope that they draft a cornerback, and I really hope it's the one from uh, either uh, Patrick Sertain or J.C. Horn from uh, South Carolina. Mr. Norris, did you read that article? Yeah, when Horn drops down to the Eagles and everything, it will make perfect sense for them to get one of those guys, but just being the Eagles and everything, with how you got to be the smartest kid in the room, anything's possible. So all we can do is hope that, you know, a good player slides down to 12. Howie, Howie Jeffrey Lurie, and um, whoever, whoever else, Else in the analytics department and everything will realize that's the best get the best player available. Mm-hmm. Now we just put a punter, okay. Now we just put a long snapper, yeah. Because those guys, anything is possible, yeah. Okay, and moving on to the NBA. So, uh, tell me something. What do you guys think about Ben Simmons uh, last week? No Joel Embiid and everything, and he vanished. Um, garbage. The same Ben Simmons we've been seeing all season. I'm done. I, I can't do it. We can't, we're not going to win a championship with him. What's going to What's going to magically happen in the playoffs that we've like, like what's going to happen in the playoffs? Oh, he's just going to turn go. into some superstar that we've never seen him do or do it four times like once a year since he's been in the NBA. Like nothing's going to happen. We're not going to win anything. We need we do need him, but we need him to also score. Like how dare him come out and say, "Oh, there's only one basketball, but you got to play defense." Uh, well, you got to offense as well. You don't know what that is, apparently. So I'm just I'm I'm off, boy. It's, it's frustrating. It's, he's the most frustrating player I've ever watched. Like it's just sad with that that frame, that six ten frame, 
250 pounds. You got Elton Brand, right? You got Joel Embiid, and you got Dwight Howard. You mean to tell me you can't sit down and pick their brain and learn a post move? Like, this is a freaking joke. He don't have no touch around the rim. It's not 1970. The skyhook is not working, Jack. And you don't even have a touch around the rim for it. So that's how I feel. You know, it was bad. Doc, even Doc is making excuses for him. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's okay. all they do. That's Doc, all they do. Yeah, I said it before. I said it again. He's, you know, he's 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 a star. He's a star for the care man. Mm-hmm. All right. Matter of fact, matter of fact, man, his 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 name is Soft Bear. Okay, the new care bear. The six foot, he's a six foot ten care bear named Soft Bear. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no killing this thing. Like you said, don't touch around the rim. And I'm tired of the team and the coaches. Everybody makes excuses for him. Okay, I'm sick of it. You know, if Joel and me can improve his game, because you see where Joel plays me on his game, he's on, he's on fire. Okay? If he played a certain amount of games this year and everything, he missed so many games, he'd be the lockdown MVP. Yep. Okay? Ben Simmons will be number two, but who's his number two now? Spies Harris. And, that, and that's right. not how it's really supposed to be. You know, and now I'm looking back saying, gee, maybe we should have traded him for James Hart. Mm-hmm. Should have been did it. That's the only reason why Brooklyn is still even fighting with us, because of James Harden holding him down. Imagine if we had Harden B. The pick and roll would be just absolutely insane. But we missed out on that opportunity, and we'll we'll see what happens. But I'm I'm off the Ben Simmons trade. It just it just blows my mind the the lack of like improvement through each year. And you're a professional basketball player. Like I said, you got Elton Brand. We know what he did in the paint and the post. We got Joel Embiid just putting dudes in the spin cycle with his post moves. And for heaven's sake, I'm not going to sit here and say Dwight Howard had the best post move, but at least he could do a, a jump hook and or at least, you know, do a up and under like this dude, Ben Simmons, my God. I mean, do you understand that Ben plays the point guard position? I'm sorry. Okay, he, Ben Simmons, look, I said before with the Sixers drafted him, I said to everybody, his team didn't even qualify for the NCAA tournament. Nope. Okay, they're below 500. They had a chance to play NIT, and they didn't play in NIT because of what? Because Ben Simmons didn't want to play in the NIT. Yep. Listen, y'all, trashing Ben Simmons isn't going to help anything, and it's not going to change anything because he's on our team this year, and then if we make it to the playoffs and even to the Eastern Conference Finals, he will be on our team. So we should just root for him and just hope for the best. Because I've been rooting for him for five seasons. So what is you saying all this is going to do? It's, it's just, it? I'm what just venting it? my frustrations. But here's the thing. But you act like here's the thing. Obviously, somebody in the in the upper offices, Daryl Morey, our new you know guy behind the controls, had a vision and had, and thought some things, and he didn't make that trade happen. He knows James Harden because he was the Rockets GM over there, so he knows James Harden. He knows the whole that whole scheme. So obviously, he had another thing in mind. He knew something maybe you and us don't know. I also think it's also the reason why the Rockets probably wanted nothing to do with the Daryl Morley trade, right. which is also probably the reason why we didn't get Harden to so begin that's with. that's why, too. So at the end of it all, we wasn't getting him anyway. So it doesn't matter about whatever Ben's doing because was that even feasible? As I mentioned last week, the worst thing that, ha- that could have happened for Ben Simmons as a professional is him not getting traded because it would have it shown that he was expendable. Then that would have made him like, hmm, 
Maybe I need to step my game up. But then he would have left our team, and then it would have mattered anyway. He would have been a sister anyway. Well, look at what we got now. We got a 6'9 guy who's putting up eight points a game. Either way, we're winning. We're winning. We're number two in the East. We're winning. We don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs yet. So until he messes up and scratches in the playoffs, then talk. Then we can say, get him out of here. I'm glad you're a prophet. You're the oracle now. You don't I am. Because you belong with other things. Drink it in, man. No, you don't know what's going to happen. Until he does it in the playoffs until he chokes in the playoffs then you can talk about it then you can say whatever you want but until then just don't say nothing because you don't know we're winning right now we're number two calm just so, stay okay. on that ship stay on stay that on ship, ship. stay on speaking. that ben simmons I'm ship speaking the, same, the same thing the same thing guys guys we still have a caller just let you know it's mr norris he's all about it mr norris is all about the Mr. Norris, I'm like the emperor. Yes, right. Mr. Norris is all about the the, the dialogue, right? Mr. Norris, you're all about the dialogue. He gets it. But anyways, Mr. Norris, appreciate you bringing up that topic. You know, Mark, you got Mark got it off his chest. He feels good now. He's okay. Thank you. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm just yeah. I'm just fed up. I'm fed up. I got eyes, and my eyes hurt watching the Sixers. <laughs> Stop watching them. Can Jawal's playing MVP? Long, long, look, as long as we got, as long as we got Jawal, we got a chance. Okay, that's fair. Coach Grant, he has one. You know, he has one thing since I was back in 2008. You know, I got faith in Jawal. You know, Jawal impressed me this year and everything because he actually stepped his game up. He came, he came this season in shape. Okay, he went out there to be the down the center that everybody knew he could be, but he was too lazy to beat the you know, past the first years of his career. Okay, Ben Simmons is stagnant. Okay, he's like he's like standing water. Okay, he's not going. He has. Look, I mean, he's, he's reached the ceiling. He is what he is. Okay, we got to make do. Now, depending on how far we get in the playoffs, we're going to dictate what happens in the offseason. Okay, George Hill, whenever he, you know, whenever he like this is something taken care of, he's going to, you know, he's going to be a welcome addition. They could have used a little bit more firepower off the bench. Okay, there really some of the guys that were out there. They had a shot at, but you know, it is it is what it is. They brought back Anthony Towers for why I don't know. You know, I say he's a play, he's playoff savvy. Doc knows he's got it or anything. But I think the lack of shooting off the bench is going to get to us. I mean, the little burst they got with Cork Myers and Steph Curry is nice. But the Cork yeah. <laughs> yeah, but in the end, um, Sixers, once again, they play Brooklyn tomorrow. But unfortunately, we don't know if Kyrie's going to be back or Kevin Durant's going to be playing because right now they are playing Minnesota and it is a back to back. That's the worst thing about the Nets. That, that's the one thing about the Nets that's in our favor because you never know when James Harden is going to be out again, Kevin Durant is going to be out again, or Kyrie is going to like, you know, take a day off to celebrate his Hanson's birthday. <laughs> so that works in our favor because they don't have any current house for either. But they changed the playoffs for the time being, the six feet of stack with me wins they can to be in that number one slot. Am I right or am I wrong? Right. That's why they need that number one seed bad. And the West, is, I mean, the West, I mean, it, the West is still no joke. Granted, the Lakers still don't have AD. They don't have LeBron. And the Nuggets just lost Jamal Murray. Mm. Big loss. And that's a hurt piece to them. So. Major. And they can have it in the playoffs, right? Yeah. Well, what are the comments saying, Chris? This is his day. This is his regular banter for us. No problem. You know, we just had different opinions. I just love getting worked up about it. I love it. 
Fraser. 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 <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, um, you got it. Um, thanks, um, Mr. Norris. Thanks for calling in again. Oh, I'm Mr. Norris again now, huh? <laughs> Okay, I, I can't win. I can't win. Y'all take care. Peace, Mr. Norris. Thanks, thanks again. Yeah, I'll talk to you later, Mr. Thomas. Bye. All right, we'll do it. Thank you. <laughs> Once again, oh, you're listening man. to 98.5 WJ Radio, Winter Basketball Show, Chris, Mark, and Con. At the uh, top of the hour at 6 o'clock, we have our interview with um, Nick Faber from the Live Detroit podcast on YouTube. And once again, you want to call in to join the discussion. Get that call number. 215-763-9596. And, uh, and once again, we're also live on YouTube as well. And uh, we got a few comments here. One from Terrell. Um, this is about Steph Curry, I believe, because just from the context, he needs to play better in the finals when finals MVP. First one, the Brown team was hurt two years. He, uh, and the other two was KD, and he didn't play well. It's not a huge thing, but he still has something to prove. And uh, Morgan says, calm for the win during your guys' this little banter. Hey. Morgan is such a calm stand. Such a calm Thanks, stand. Thanks, Porgs. Going back to what uh, Rail said, I mean, I guess it's just... Oh, another caller? That's a good thing. 98.5 WJYM running back sports. Yo, Chris, this is Warren. Yeah, Warren, what's going on, man? Oh, uh, man, I just wanted to... Uh... You know, briefly give my, you know, my discussion with, with my fellow wrestling fans. Yeah. Hey, Warren. Hey, Carm. See, see, uh, see, this is why she's the star of the show. See, this is why I like Carm. <laughs> <laughs> give her all the accolades. Um, I just wanted to go by saying, I watched TakeOver. I watched WrestleMania. Walter versus Chompa was everything I wanted and more. Eo mm-hmm. uh, Shirai, the greatest wrestler, woman. In the world, she's outstanding. I love the tag team match. I fell asleep during the Adam Cole match. <laughs> um, WrestleMania, Bianca and Sasha, five stars. Mm-hmm. I, I was in the I was in the fields. I almost cried. Bobby Lashley winning made me happy. Uh, Randy and the Fiend deserves to get talked about for the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the Oscar match. And the main event, Roman Reigns, pinning both of them, greatest, greatest ending ever. Yeah. Absolutely the greatest ending ever. I, I'm, a Dan, I'm a Daniel Bryan fanatic, and I thought that was the most perfect way to end WrestleMania. Yeah, same. Uh, yeah, I didn't, want Daniel, and, I didn't want Daniel Bryan winning that match at all. Nah. Well, I didn't want Edge to win at all, so I guess we're in the same boat. I actually thought Edge was going to win, but he wasn't going to pin Roman. Roman's too hot to get pinned. Yeah. I thought he would pin Daniel Bryan. Honestly, well, I thought he hit that sphere more awesome. Awesome. They're gonna do it, but yeah, but uh, good call on. Uh, there you know. goes Money Man Jay saving the day. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was listening to you know Mark. He goes on this passionate rant about uh, Ben Simmons, and you know it's it's interesting because, like, on one hand, I agree with him. I I, I feel like if he is a little if he's more aggressive, he helps your offense tremendously. But on the other hand, I see where where Chris and Calm was like, y'all know he's hot and cold. So like, right? Either you're gonna either accept it until he leaves, and or you just there's no point of crying over spilled milk. I I'm interested to see how Tobias Harris plays in the playoffs because I truly think he has to be your number two since you see. 
Ben Simmons is what he is at this point. I, um, he's a great defender. He's a mini Jason Kidd-ish Magic Johnson, you know, when, when I mean by oh, stat sheets and not really scoring. But you guys, I think you need a number two to win the title, honestly. And I hope Tobias Harris can be that for you guys, at least for a couple of years. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not Tobias. You're right. It's yeah. uh, who is it? It's the Forkinator. The Forkinator. It's the man. Oh, the, Turk, the Turkish delight. <laughs> Furkan Korkmaz. Yo, you're so dumb. Oh man, Chris. Yeah. So, Chris, I've been meaning to ask you. How do you feel like? Do you think the Sam Darnold move will do will rejuvenate his career, or do you think he's just no hope? Um, change of scenery is always good, especially for a quarterback who was in an environment like that. And he's not going to a situation where the cupboard's bare. Um, he already has chemistry with Robin Anderson. They've still kept their eighth pick. Christian McCaffrey's going to be coming back fully healthy. So if they decide to, you know, go offense again, like, you know, like a Kyle Pitts or like, you know, try to, you know, revamp their offensive line, I can't see nothing but good things for Sam Donald. Okay, okay. I know you've been working really hard on your mod draft picks, and I've been waiting for, you know, to see what you think. Where do you think my team should draft? What do you think the Bears should pick up? Uh, yeah, I actually dropped that article um, this, this during this past weekend. Um, I got you guys um, drafting an offensive lineman, actually, um, because regardless of who your quarterback is, um, they need time to throw. When I watched Chicago Bears games last year, your offensive line is – like with him. So, uh, number 20, the Chicago Bears is drafting a offensive tackle from Texas. Uh, it was either that or Caleb Ferry from Virginia Tech because you guys lost Kyle Fuller, so you're going to need somebody to replace him because your secondary is so young. But um, from just, just, I think everybody in Chicago would agree like how bad your offensive line is last year. So, he's 6 7. I agree with that assessment. I feel like that we can't really make no plays because, you know, we don't have an offensive line that can really hold up. And despite everything, Daniel Montgomery finished top five in, in rushing yards mm-hmm. despite a miserable offensive line. Because imagine if he had some kind of support behind him, they could really open up our game tremendously. Absolutely. Yeah, and the guy's massive. He's 6'7", 310 pounds. He only allowed one sack last year during his last season for Texas. So he was a really good, you know, blindside protector for also uh, NFL draft prospect Sam Ellinger, who I also sounded down at the senior ball. So hopefully he'll be able to come in, you know, get that protection for Andy Dalton and open things up on the uh, in the running game front for, uh, you know, David Montgomery. But I also feel like you guys should need to change your offense philosophy back to being run first. I feel like that's just the Chicago uh, bread and butter. You know, they're always a run-first football team. You guys have your success while being a run-first football team. That's how you got to the Super Bowl back in 2006. That's how you got it to the NFC Championship game back in 2010. Yeah, I agree. I feel like if we allowed David, and I've always been saying that for years, you know, my, that was my issues with the, uh, the Jake Cutler years because, you know, Matt Forte, yeah, he made a 10,000 yards for his career, but imagine what he could have had if they didn't let Jay Cutler be trigger-happy and throw the ball as much as he did. Uh, they would completely give up the run game. Forte would have, like, for example, eight carries for, like, 80 yards, and they're like, you know what? Let's give you 40 passes from Jay Cutler. 
Oh man, I love yeah. those those Mike Marks uh, <laughs> Trustman years. Oh man. <laughs> oh oh god, please don't talk about Mark Trustman. I, I, I <laughs> got over this migraine. I don't need another one. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. But one, uh, one quick but, question before we, uh, we, we got to wrap this up. Uh, one more question before we go. Um, favorite black uh, television couple? Or movie. Hmm. Well, I heard you guys earlier saying uh, uh, Whitley and... Uh, Dwayne Whitley, yeah. Yeah, I... I Look, I, I have my think pieces on why that's a terrible relationship, but that's another discussion. Um, I would probably say, for me, growing up, it would probably be the original Aunt Viv and Uncle Phil. Yeah. Okay. I knew someone would okay, Lauren. I, I feel like um, it was a, you know, you saw a good, a good example of a good black role model. You saw good black masculinity. You saw great black femininity. You know, she wasn't tied down by being his his wife. She, you know, she, with the ballet, and she showed she could handle herself, and she could show she was strong and independent. And she even got him in check more times than not. And I think that's just a great relationship where they could both be themselves and together as a whole. And she was a professor as well. Exactly. So she knew her stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, Warren. Uh, that's great, man. Uh, thanks for calling in. Uh, you got the call number. Um, anytime. And uh, one, uh, one last thing. Yes, sir. Uh, pick up your chin before you call next time, man. Oh, Chris, sh- shut up. <laughs> wow. Anyways, thanks for calling, Warren. Talk to you soon. All right, man. Love you, buddy. <laughs> All right. Way to put my man on the spot. Way to like play my boy Warren. Don't do that. That's crazy. Don't do that. Oh, your man. He's my boy, Warren. From the show. Oh, your boy Warren. Yeah, he is. Your boy. Yeah. Don't get Carmen in trouble. You know her fans be listening. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop Not it. Not get Carmen any trouble. Stop it. Anyways. Let's get you listening to 98.5 WGYM, running back sports show, sports for the culture. Uh, Chris, Mike, and Carmen, if you want to join the discussion. Uh, we got 10 minutes for our call with uh, Nick Faber. If you want to call in real quick, join the discussion. Give the call number. 215-763-9596. All right. And without further ado, I got to get this off my chest before we do our little interview. It is time. Listen, I need Mark Thompson right over there to sign this Furcon Court Mods apology form. No. I need you to sign it. No. Yes. No. No. This, this man, yo, I, yo, I don't, I don't understand your obsession with it's these bombs. Like it's, I don't first of all, 20, this man, first of all, he has two games in a row he scored 20. Okay. Oh. Boom. And during this past week, he's been shooting well, nearly fifty percent from downtown. He has been shooting well. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Last last game, he was he was hitting. So, Mark, what do you want? Do you want people to play well, or do you not? I do want want people to play play well. well. Why don't you just give them their credit and leave it be? They're part of the team. This is what it is. I literally just said Kim Mars had a game. No, but you always have to criticize and downplay everybody all the time. If they're playing well, let them let them play well. If they're playing bad, okay, we can say they play bad, you need to improve, et cetera, but just let it go because at the end of the day, this is our team. This is who we're rocking with. It's not changing. Yes, period. I agree. So give Corky his props, like Chris said, no. and maybe Corky will improve more and more and become that guy. Maybe he'll be the guy off the bench. Mark Thompson, can you, can you, for our, for our people... For our people on the YouTube and our people who are listening, can you explain to them what exactly is on this letter that people want me to sign? Because I'm not signing it. It's a Ex- fur con- explain it. It's a Furcon Courtmont's apology letter. Okay. Tell me more. Okay. Pretty much signing um, from, you know, the person who absolutely has done nothing but insult and slander 
Mr. Furkan Court Monster Turkish Delight. Yep. <laughs> the Turkish yep. Delight. And uh, the yeah. reasons for behavior, um, I, there's a, uh, I need to put like an other option in there. It's a checkbox. It's a, so yeah, it's a checkbox. Uh, the reasons for behavior is I judged him off his free throws. I didn't, didn't know how to pronounce his name. <laughs> I was jealous of how handsome he is. I don't watch basketball. I need basketball knowledge. Okay. So Sorry, let's just, Mark. Okay. So uh, let's just put other, just saying, like, I'm just a hater. Fine. Fine. We can say other. All we right. can say other. All right. But uh, I'm not, but that's not an apology. Now, and it's funny because y'all going to do this, right? And watch tomorrow. He has like the seven. But that's basketball, Mark, at times. That can be basketball. Some people have bad games. Some listen, people don't play to their potential. Russell Westbrook, Aggie, like that happens all the time. Listen. It happens. Listen, all legends have bad nights, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not saying Crookmas is anywhere near like a Russell or anybody. Of course, he's a he's a role player. No. He's here for, but he has the, He even said in his interview, he feels like he's coming more into his position on the Sixers. He's been on the team for four years, and he's kind of getting his stride. He's figuring it out because he's under a different coach now. Yeah. He's under Doc. He's not under Brett, who Brett has been his coach since uh, he got on the Sixers. And everybody's been raving. And everybody's been raving about him. Doc Rivers has also been giving them appreciation. Ben Simmons also saying, you know, he's finding a role on his team, getting open looks, Everyone, getting good shots. Right. Everyone is feeling like they're becoming more of a team, more of a cohesion. They have a direction. They have a leadership, someone they respect, someone they're listening to who has made an impact. Just as you started, Doc Rivers, we're already number two in the East, Doc Rivers' first season. Or number one. Okay, well, number one, number two, we keep fluctuating. Either way, Cork Moss is the, is, or, or deserves the same kind of leeway. If, if we want to see what Joel and Ben do under Doc, let's see what Cork Moss and the rest of the team would do under Doc. It's the same kind of principle because we're all a team. So let's have them the same kind of grace. Because, yeah, he ain't no one saying he's a superstar, but what if he starts to produce? What if he starts to be good? Just like we have the Sixers curse, so many people who leave the Sixers become great. Lou Will, Holiday. We can go on and on and on and talk about this. So let's let him have his time and just leave him alone because he's on our team. That's it. But y'all be acting like he, just because he wear number 30, like he not Steph Curry. Like, y'all no be acting like he's the second Curry. coming I, of Steph has Curry. Chris, has Chris like, ever said that? I've never said oh that. Chris has never God. said that. You're saying that. I have never said that. that. And that would, I would never say that. I would never Listen, disrespect that's how y'all be acting. No, I don't. I'm just, I just Every cannot week, throw so much hate and so much monsters, like slander on people's names. I just like Chris when he says pork on Kirkmas and he says, all this stuff about the coconut. I just love it. But besides that, you know, I'm just gonna leave it be. Like, let him play, Mark. It's okay. It's all right. James Harden's on the team. It's, it's fine. <laughs> We're all comfortable. See, once again, I did not bring up James Harden. But I know we go. what it is. It's in your heart and soul. It's in your veins. You're hardened out. You're, no, you're I, strung I, out I, on Harden. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be honest with you. That is gonna haunt me for the rest of but my sixth career. There's nothing. If we never do anything, then blame Darren Moody. Then blame his relationship it's with just, the Rockets. It's just everyone wanted to keep Maxi. Now Maxi doesn't even get on the court. No one. I never said I was married to Maxi. I said I didn't want to lose Matisse. I said that. You I never said it about Maxi. Okay, no, I mean either way, it is what it I'm, is, Mark. I, it is what it we is. We gotta live I and know. die. It's just, live and die it's by just, decisions. It's just those things that's like when it's right there in front of you. And it's gonna hurt you down the line, and you could have had it, you know. It I mean, listen, shoulda, coulda, woulda, man. All right, well, hey. At the end of it all, I'm gonna live with whatever happens to the Sixers because I know if things don't pan out this season, then I don't think there's gonna be a major. There's gonna be a change. So the change is gonna come. It's just when. Mm-hmm. We we already know the first change. Hopefully, we can still get some value. I still for like it. Ben. I'll never say I don't like Ben. I re- like Ben is plays a point guard position. He's on the floor leading the team, floor general. That's his name. He don't name. even get, no, even, even get assists no more. He even said that in his interview. He said, I'm I'm the point guard. I had to run the well, offense. He said what that. What offense did well, to be fair, What are you talking well, about? Well, to be but fair. he's not on the floor. What talk about, about the set, Chris. All right, Go ahead. All right. 
listen, I'm not one to like be like a therapist or like something like that because everybody goes through like you know different circumstances, especially regarding their family differently. But when that news broke out about you know Ben Simmons' sister, maybe that has something to do with you know his play. I'm not excusing this play, but in the end, he also says that I also need to get my ish together. But in the end, listen, I don't care about the I don't care about regular season basketball anymore. Ben Simmons, you know, steps up to his game in the postseason like we've seen. You know, some postseason, you know, heroes do. Like you know, the Miami Heat definitely played well above grade, above what they did in the regular season. Guys like Tyler Harrell, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, who have never been a part of a deep postseason run. If that's if that same, you know, instance happened, you know, for, you know, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, who is averaging uh, 13 points a game throughout, like, multiple playoff series, if he's able to step up, then that's something that I'll take, along with, you know, Joel Embiid averaging nearly 30 and 15. But in the end, I'm, I'm kind of done, like, grading Ben Simmons and, like, um, weighing everything that, you know, Ben Simmons does during the game, because in the end, I uh, because after what I saw with, you know, Joel Embiid getting hurt at that point and him realizing that it's not a 20 ACL and he's not going to be gone long term, I'm like, all right, cool. I don't care about the MVP anymore. I don't care about the regular season. Just mm-hmm. keep this listen, just keep this team fully healthy, fully intact for the playoffs. I agree. And and and, after, and what happens after that, we'll, we'll deal with it. Because our our season could have easily been over that day. Yeah, exactly. And we wouldn't have we wouldn't we would just be hurt. Yeah. We'd be sad. I'd be sad. I'd be actually probably more sad and angry if 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 Joel was out or for more? the season. Yeah. Oh yeah. If Joel's cuz no, cuz last season there were so many people like trade Joel and build the team around Ben. I would have lost my mind oh, if no. he was still performing the same way and Joel was going for the season and we fall to like the 6th, 7th seed. But when Joel went out, I mean, we maintained. So Thank God for Tobias. Okay, so you talking all this back about Tobias. When, I was like, Warren, about Paul, Tobias. Warren literally said, I hope Tobias got to be a number two. You said, he's not going to be yet. No, I and said, you I just said, said unfortunately. Listen, here's the thing. You literally say he's all I'm going to say is this. If Chris Middleton is good enough, just if Chris that. Middleton is good enough to be a number two to get to a team to the Eastern Conference Finals, then Tobias Harris could do the same Facts. thing. You just slandered his name, and he said, "Go for the I did not. Like, which I did one not is slander Tobias? I just said, feel like he's not with our the nastiest tongue. No, unfortunately, it's, it's not going to be it. Like, if who are you to say it's not going to be it? You don't know that. Between those two, you're getting like fifty to fifty-five points, and um, you got a uh, hold on ninety-eight point five WJYN running back sports. Uh, hey, this is Nick Favor. I was talking with Chris Thomas. Uh, oh, hey, 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 Nick. Uh, it's Chris. How's it going, man? Oh, good. What's going on, Chris? Oh, uh, yeah, nice. Um, once again, um, we're at the top of the hour now, and we have our interview with uh, Nick Faber. Uh, Nick, uh, for the audience here at uh, Philadelphia, tell us a little bit about yourself real quick. Hey, appreciate you having me on, first and foremost. Uh, just been covering every kind of football there's been for the last uh, six years now, basically. I've been doing a podcast and everywhere, and we just got a, a new name, new title, Honolulu Blues new podcast for all the Detroit Lions fans out there, uh, and, and that's what I've been doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we talked a little bit, uh, you know, during the Senior Bowl about, um, about like, you know, the direction of what the Detroit Lions, what you want now with now new coach and, like, going into the draft. So, uh, overall, like, with the firing of Matt Patricia, like, uh, was that more like such a sigh of relief for you, or you were just, like, about time? Oh, my gosh. I can't even put into words how – how indescribable it was to finally see that come across. You know, Patricia gone, just 
excited. And then the excitement that even is, is more building now with Dan Campbell coming in and the passion that he brings. And it's so much different than what Matt Patricia was. And, and Matt Patricia tried to be the, the coach who tried to be very monotone. And this is not who Dan Campbell is. Dan Campbell brings that energy in. So, so to see Matt Patricia go and Bob Quinn go, the whole regime just, just crumble. I mean, it was sad because it was like, dang, we really had to sit here for three years and sit through this and watch this. But finally, ultimately, he's gone. And yes, it was a sigh of relief, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Detroit has had a really quiet offseason. So is that a good thing for you or like you wanted a little more splash? No, yeah. I mean, you got to look at it like this. Like the, the Lions are not coming out to win. 14 games this year you know they're not going 14 and 3 13 and 4 like that's not happening this year um ultimately we're, we're building that's what the the trade for Stafford that's why we turned down Denver's you know ninth pick this year and, and we wanted to to build for the future Brad Holmes knows how to draft we've seen it in in Los Angeles and and we're building for that this isn't the year there is no reason to go out and make big splashes on players right now that we were behind in the salary. It's a weird year with COVID. There's, there's absolutely no reason to do it. So what we're doing is pushing a lot of one-year contracts, mm-hmm. prove-it contracts to players, and it's awesome. And if they succeed, we'll happily bring them back next year, right? But if they don't, it's a one-year contract. It's a different year with COVID. Next year's going to be up again, I believe, personally. So I think that us not making splashes, keeping it very quiet, making, you know, minuscule additions like Alec Anzalone and, and the linebacker position, Jamal Williams at the running back position, Brashad Perryman at the wide receiver position, uh, going out and acquiring Michael Brockers. Like, these aren't name-changing, like, these aren't, like, organization-changing names, right? These aren't franchise faces. These aren't guys that you're going to go out and instantly buy jerseys for. But what these guys are are, are hard workers, who should fit into the scheme that we're building under Aaron Glenn and the defensive side, you know, with Dan Campbell, like his first year coaching, all of our coaches, all of our coordinators in their first year, it's going to be a transition season. And, and so ultimately you can't have these high expectations. And, and so you shouldn't go out and sign big name players. Plus that all of that top, top, tops with Patricia and Quinn, or well, mostly Quinn going out and signing you know, these big names, Justin Coleman, Trey Flowers, Jamie Collins, these big names, big contracts. Pretty much we just weren't in any position to, to go out and make big splashes this year. And I'm okay with that. Hey, Nick, Mark here. So I know you guys made the uh, offseason acquisition acquiring Jared Goff. Is that, your, is that your quarterback for the future, or will you guys be making a move in the draft? <clears throat> Ultimately, if, if you're asking me, like, what do I think the Lions will do, which it sounds like you are. I, I don't think Jared Goff is the quarterback of the future. Uh, if you look at his dead cap, uh, I believe after next year, it drops down to like $5 million. Um, I don't know if we go quarterback this year, though. Like I, by, by me saying I don't think Jared Goff is the quarterback of the future, that doesn't parlay with me thinking we draft a quarterback this year. I don't think they coincide. Mm-hmm. But to answer your question, I don't think Goff is the quarterback of the future. Now, He's done something that Lions fans have been disgruntled about for years, 13 years, in fact, with Matt Stafford. He's won. He won in the playoffs. And he's going to the Super Bowl. I don't care surrounded him. I don't care anything about that. Yeah. He went out and won games. He had a broken thumb, broken wrist last year. Broken thumb, yeah. 
goes out and beats Seattle, gets a victory. Matthew Stafford had a broken thumb after his best year MVP-type season. Broken thumb, uh, Julius Peppers, I believe, breaks his thumb. He goes out against Seattle and loses 20 to 6. 26 to 6, excuse me. It's, 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 that's, that's the difference. That's the difference. Like, I, I don't think Goff is the quarterback of the future because I, I sit there and I look at quarterbacks and I look at the NFL and I'm not too biased with Detroit and I just think Jared Goff isn't the answer. But honestly, if Detroit can put any kind of team together and Jared Goff just goes out there and wins and gets one playoff win, like, can you guys imagine one playoff win? That's all he needs to do. In Los Angeles, that was nothing. In Detroit, he gets a statue. Mm. He gets a statue on the top of Ford Field because he won a playoff game. Ultimately, if he shocks the world this year or next year, because I do think he'll be a quarterback for the next two years, he stays with Detroit for another five years because we're loyal like that. Um, I don't think we draft a quarterback this year, and I think Goff remains a quarterback for the next two years. Um, But I I would, if I was a betting man and I had to bet $100 right now in in three years, who week one starting quarterback will be, I do not think it would be Jared Goff. Mm. Hmm. Okay. Hey, Nick. So question. So for this season coming up, who are you looking most forward to seeing? Like with you said, there's a lot of one-year contracts, maybe some players that obviously came back from last year. Who do you think is going to make the most like splash or impact on your team this year? Maybe prove themselves. Someone that you've been looking at that you just feel like you want to see what they're going to do this year on your team. Great question. Uh, and I have a couple answers if you guys don't mind. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, the biggest splash, the guy I want to see, the guy I want to just be outstanding is not TJ Hawkinson, which I feel most would say uh, my answer would be, be DeAndre Swift. Not a guy that we just signed, but someone that's been on the team, but still the guy I want to see explode this year. I, I feel like that. if we have the ability to draft Panay Suel at the seventh pick this year, our running game will be outstanding and will be driven by DeAndre Swift. And that's the guy. He will become the face of the franchise. He will become what Todd Gurley was to the Rams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like He is the, the running back of the future. He's got the promise. He's got the explosion, the electricity. It's so fun to watch him, and, and, and Bevel and Patricia just wanted to give more time to Peterson, and you never really got to see that full flourish of Swift, and I think this year we're finally going to see that, and I think we're going to be shocked by the amount of touchdowns ultimately that he gets this year. We're going to just run behind him. Double-digit touchdowns, I cannot wait. But, but then you asked, who's, my, who's the guy I want to see? And I'm most excited for, and it's the guy we signed last year to a kind of mediocre contract, and then he exploded at left tackle. And again, if we can draft Swell, that would be great because he's a left tackle, but we can move him to right tackle. Taylor Decker at left tackle looked like a machine last year. And it's hard to get football fans to watch the, the trenches. You know, like yeah. you, you just want to watch the ball. You want to watch the skilled players. But if you watch the trenches when you watch Detroit and you watch the left line with Jonah Jackson – Frank Ragnow in the middle, and then Taylor Decker on the left tackle uh, spot. It's so fun, and they're mean, and they're they're blue collar, right? They scream Detroit. Decker comes out with that war paint on, and it's so in- intimidating. Like I'm ecstatic to see what he has this year. Uh, doesn't have to worry about any kind of contract or anything like that. Just come out a new regime with Dan Campbell. Just I feel like. You want to run like I'll run through a wall for Dan Campbell. Any of us would run through a wall for Dan Campbell. I can't. I can't imagine what Taylor Decker is going to do. I just feel like we're going to see pancake upon pancake, and <laughs> it's going to get you hungry for some syrup and Miss Buttersworth. And I cannot wait. That's who I'm. I'm personally most excited to watch this year. Okay, great. I'm definitely gonna. I'm gonna remember those names. So when I watch a Lions game now, I know I'm gonna look for these people. 
that's that, it, it'll be fun. I promise you, it'll make the game a little bit more appealing until the Lions lose. Oh. And you're like, oh, okay, that's right, still the Lions. Okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, Nick, I was actually going to uh, – I was hoping you would definitely say uh, DeAndre Swift because now with you guys getting Deuce Daly as your assistant head coach, and uh, and I can tell you definitely firsthand the work that he does for the running back groups, you're definitely going to be in for a breakout season with DeAndre Swift. So you were also down with the senior bowl with me and with the draft being a little bit over two weeks away. Um, number one, who do you want specifically the Lions to draft with the number seven pick? And number two, during your time down at the senior bowl – Who's a guy that you definitely want the Lions to uh, target? Great questions. I feel like I've dropped his name a couple times so far. Um, with the seventh pick, I would love it if left tackle, offensive tackle, Penae well from Oregon Falls. Um, and it, it, seemed, it seemed impossible at the Senior Bowl. It seemed there was zero chance of it. And now, as Kyle Pitts might be going for. And a quarterback, you know, Jamar Chase going six, and who knows what Cincinnati's going to do, and all these quarterbacks. Mac Jones all of a sudden is out of the third round and into the top three. Like, yes. there's so much <laughs> moving pieces that it truly does seem like Suell can fall to the seventh, and that would be ideal. Um, now, I've said on my show for the last two, two months that it is, going to be a Mika Parsons pick. I, I, I just cannot see any other way, and I know he's fallen. It just doesn't seem right. I still just don't know how the Lions get away with this draft without drafting defense first, and that's ultimately Mika Parsons because he's, he's just the best defender outside of secondary, in my opinion. So, so I, 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 if I had to put money down, I would say that Mika Parsons is going to be the pick, but the question was who I want, and that's Panay Suell. If we had to pick someone Though the trade back, which I believe every fan base in the in, in the NFL pretty much always wants to trade back and always says, "Give me three first round picks and I'll give you this," you know, ultimately that's what I would like. Uh, I would like the trade back. I would like to move back with Denver. I would like to move back with New England. Um, even as far back as Washington at nineteen wouldn't be the worst thing because there's still linebackers there that you can get. There's still you know players there that that can be game changers and with the seventh pick i i I, th I think it'll be parsons i want to well and i don't really care who it is as long as it's not kyle pitts i am 100 <laughs> percent on the ad on the train of do not draft kyle pitts to the detroit lions oh um is there any reason why you're kind of sour on kyle pitts is it just because of tj hawkinson well, exactly, and and everyone loves to, to say, you know, he's a hybrid. He's he's not just a tight end. He's best pass catcher. You can line him up at wide receiver, and it it ultimately makes me think of the the Family Guy quote: "Why would I get the boat when I can get the box? It could be anything. It could even be a boat. I'm not going to go out and draft Kyle Pitts hoping he can be a top tier wide receiver." When there's top-tier wide receivers like Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, and Jamar Chase on the board, mm -hmm. I'm not going to draft something and try to force it when, when there's no reason to. Now, if this is the third round, yes. You know, I, I love making that call. and I love trying to get like those kind of players, them hybrid players, the hybrid players. Uh, but with the seventh pick, with a guy like TJ Hawkinson, who we already spent a top-ten pick on, 
you just can't do that in your first year as a GM for yeah. Brad Holmes. I, I, I just can't see that happening. I do not want that to happen. I hope the best for Kyle Pitts. I hope he's great. And I hope, like, you know, we listen back on this in 10 years and we're like, ha, ha, this guy didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> but for now, I do not want him on the team. Yeah. Um, I've been doing uh, my final version of a mock draft. And uh, with you guys from number seven, I had you guys taking Devontae Smith because looking at your depth chart now, you guys really don't have that that standout wide receiver. So if you guys were at number seven, you do make the Devontae Smith pick, uh, what would your reaction be? Same old Lions, and it's a saying around Detroit, SOL. <laughs> Same old Lions. You know, if you're not familiar, if you come around Detroit, SOL. Same old Lions. And it just would be the same old Lions. Drafting another wide receiver in the top ten. How many times have we done it? How many times have it panned out? Yes, we got Calvin Johnson. Yes, with the second pick overall, maybe it's worthwhile. But now we're drafting an undersized Devonta Smith, who really exploded when Jalen Waddle went down. In my opinion, I personally like Jalen Waddle more. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to transition to the NFL a little bit better. Okay. Um, I, I do not want Devonta Smith. If, the, if Devonta Smith was the pick, and not just a wide receiver overall, but if it was Devonta Smith, I would be very bummed. I, you would not see a happy face coming out of me. Um, I trust Brad Holmes. I trust this regime because there's nothing I can do to change it. So I hope that they know what they're doing. And so, I mean, I'll, I'll still try to hype him up and talk good about him, but it's not the guy that I want. It's not the position that I want. Um, I, I, I think we can, you can find, Kenny Galladay is a perfect example of you can find a wide receiver in the third round. This wide receiver draft class is very deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jer- uh, Jared Goff needs a, a, a Cooper Cup-esque type player, and I feel like that's there for Andel Moore. I feel like that that would be a great selection if he can follow the second Kadarius Tony. Um, you can get that kind of player, and that's what's going to, we're not going out here trying to get these flashy players. We don't need the Heisman. We need players that are going to fit under Dan Campbell's scheme. who are going to be able to work under, you know, Antoine Randall at the wide receiver coach. Like we need to, to make sure we have the right players and not the, not the, you know, most flashy players. I guess I would like to like to think of it as watching what is the movie miracle. There it is miracle. And where her Brooks, we don't need the best players. We need the right players, mm-hmm. right? That's what we need. So I hope Dan Campbell can, can get his inner or her Brooks. I believe that's who it, it is. And, and, and will the, the lions to victory, but, I would not be happy with Devonta Smith. Okay. Uh, what if I can promise you that he'll pan out a lot better than Charles Rogers did? <laughs> then I'll be at least, I'll be happier. <laughs> I'll be happier. But that's, that's not saying much because what? So now we at least have guaranteed at least two years of success. <laughs> and that's still not what I'm looking for. You know what I mean? <laughs> All right, fine. What about Roy Williams? Oh, uh, even still. Like, that's even happier, right? What Roy Williams, Roy Williams, Williams was nice. Made, Three, four. He gave me a good trade to Dallas. Like that's not all we got. We got a good first round pick out of him. I can't remember who we used for him. Um, one Pro Bowl season, I believe. So if he can give me two Pro Bowl seasons, that's not that's not terrible. Like I, I definitely can't complain about that. But uh, that's that's I still don't want it. You know what I mean? Give me three Pro Bowl seasons out of a defender or out of an offensive lineman. Okay. And uh, Nick, before you go, Rob. So what exactly are your plans for the NFL draft? What are my plans for the NFL draft? What a great question. Every year, every year I try to, like I say, I was like, all right, we're going to have a great time. I'm going to go hang out. We're going to go, I'm going to watch this. It's going to be a good time. And every year I find it sneaking up on me and I get off of work and the draft is happening. And so I just end up sitting down on the couch 
grab a beer and watch the draft at home with my daughter. My wife will probably be upstairs watching HGTV, and that's how I'm going to probably enjoy the draft. And then once the Lions pick, it'll be – I won't even be watching the draft anymore. I'll just be nose on phone on Twitter tweeting left and right. Oh, blah, 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 blah. I cannot wait. That's the best part about the draft, right? The overreactions. I cannot wait. Uh, yeah, I know about that. Um, Twitter was on fire um, last year when we took uh, Jalen Hurts in the second round. <laughs> but uh, Jalen Hurts, yeah, that's my man right there. Yeah, and hopefully he can be the man of the future for us. Uh, Nick, uh, thanks once again, you know, for you know taking the time, calling in. Uh, good luck with your show, and uh, congrats on the rebrand. Nick, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at Nick Faber NFL. Okay. Nice and basic, you know what I'm saying? Nice and easy. I'm gonna give you a follow. I appreciate that. I'll follow back. I okay. appreciate you guys having me on. This was so much fun. Yeah. Anytime, uh, anytime you guys want to talk about Detroit, I am so happy to do it. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank right. you. No problem, Nick. Take, take care, Nick. Yeah, appreciate it. Take care. Bye. All right. Goes yeah. hard in the D. Yeah, man. Dang, he is Detroit. Whoa, he's a Detroit fan. Yeah. Fan, 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 fan. Yeah, once again, you're listening to He knows to... the stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So. Once again, you're listening to 98.5 WJYN, running back sports show, sports for the culture. We got Chris, we got Mark, we got Carm here. We want to join the discussion. Uh, drop the phone number. 215-763-9596. I mean, we got a little uh, Detroit power. Uh, I know. Power I feel like here, really man. informed about Detroit now. I'm going to yeah, watch so out for that like, we, guy. we got Nick for football. We got Kai, who's a Detroit native also. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, goes, Kai Carlin. He's a hard Michigan guy. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for that, Mark. <laughs> yeah. Really enlightening, truly. <laughs> I'm just talking about you you've seen that video before, right? Truly, I just I just it just boggles my mind. Was, the, right. Like the, the depth of this show, you know, how deep we go. Anyways. <laughs> anywho here. Yeah, anyway. What's next on the Run slate? Voice with the culture, Yo, man. All right. First off, all right, I don't know if our audience can hear or like our YouTube. Yeah. I don't know what's going on on Broad Street today. Like, all it's, I hear is it's just bikes ni- it's and nice sirens outside. That's today. All you it's just to... like, bruh. And, uh, they playing DMX. They, they yes, yeah, so I'm hearing DMX. Yeah, yeah. I'm hearing bikes. Ride his anthem. Sirens. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. They don't care today on Broad Street. What? Yeah. Anyway, um, once again, I want to thank Nick again for calling in. And uh, in about a few moments, we're going to have our you know second interview. Once again, Jeff Bowers from the Sports and Narrative is going to call in. He... Um, like last time, he is stationed down in Dallas, getting prepared to have, you know, for the NFL draft as well. Mm-hmm. And just to say, the WNBA draft is this Thursday, mm-hmm. 7 mm-hmm. p.m. So be on the I got my WNBA hoodie on, mm-hmm. rapping for the ladies. And they I'm, did announce uh, the WNBA schedule, I think, yep. the first full few games, actually. Yeah, the, the WNBA actually season starts on May 14th. So season coming soon. Draft is happening on Thursday. WNBA is about to be back in full effect. Yeah, it's kind of coming in, you coming know, quick. Co- coming quick and coming at the same time as the playoffs. But it's going to be a lot of basketball, a lot of fun. And I'm honestly looking forward to watching this WNBA draft. Make sure I'm going to take my notes on it. I'm going to be paying attention. And when this season starts, I'm on it because I have a newfound respect for the ladies, especially after watching the NCAA tournament. So I'm looking forward to what the WNBA is going to do this year. Nice. So, uh, have you got a team yet? Honestly, I'm kind of like scouring all the teams. I don't want to just pick a team because of like the name. Because like, I know the Sonics. I know. I mean, sorry, the Sonics, the Storm. I know the um, the Liberty. You know, there's teams that I'm kind of familiar with. I'm trying. Yikes. Yeah, 
So I'm kind of just trying to see what team I really like. Mercury. And I feel like I have to just see them all play like the first couple weeks to kind of get my d- decision on who my team is. Candace Parker went back home. She's yeah, she's Chicago, Chicago now. Yeah. And then like I've always known Skylar Diggins. I know she's on the Mercury now with Diana Taurasi, uh, Brittany Griner. Uh, so that's kind of like I'm leaning towards them. But I want to see for myself before I make a decision. I don't want to just like them just because I know the names. The wild part Wait, so so Phoenix, the Phoenix Mercury got their own big three? No, Pretty much. That's what I was about to say. So... If you if you pay attention to a lot of these WNBA rosters, and I only found this out from playing 2K, a lot of them squads be having a big three full of names we just know. Right. It's because they don't have as many players. I'm like, I mean, as many teams. So like, I was going to yo, Minnesota used to have like Simone Augustus, Maya Moore, like, and one other like big name star. And I'm like, what? How? If you think about it, like the Dallas Wings, they have like ten picks, like in the first twenty. I mean, uh, 20 picks of the, the draft. Somebody right. has to explain, like, the draft order. Yeah, I want to f- yeah, figure it out. I need, I need to figure that out. Because I was looking. I saw, like, Dallas Wings were the first two. And then it's like, how does that happen? Like, how do you have, the like, one and the two. Like, yeah, like how, how do you? Even Howie can't mess that up. Right. So, I think it's very uh, interesting. <laughs> but I think the WNBA season this oh. year is going to be totally I, – I, I, my prophecy is – I think the wide, the viewership no, is going to go up. Yeah, because no, remember that one year where the Cleveland did have like two top five picks and they mm-hmm. traded uh, Deion Waiters and uh, Tristan Thompson? Oh. Oh, yeah, that year. Dang. Yeah. That, that, wow. I mean, Deion Waiters was tough coming out of Syracuse. Yeah, he was, but. God. And uh, Tristan Thompson did eventually, you know, he still contrib- contributed to a championship in Cleveland. Yeah. So I, I, I still can't hold that to him, but. Like, I mean, Waiters Island all day. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, you know, as far as those guys being the men, then, yeah. All right, 620 interview. Jeff, what's going on, man? Hey, what's happening, y'all? Hey, what's hey, going, going on? on? Uh, once again, I just wanted to uh, say welcome back to, uh, you know, 98.5 Running Back Sports on, uh, here in Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, for the viewers who are listening and didn't listen to you last time, I'll get um, a little bio about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Jeff Bowers have been covering the NFL draft for 12 years, attended the last 10 of them. Uh, you know, except for those pandemic ones, uh, here in Dallas, Fort Worth area, and uh, got a little. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Sports Narrative. Uh, you can also find us sportsnarrative.net uh, is the website. And really excited to be. This is going to be our first year. We're going to actually live broadcast the draft. You can find that on our YouTube page uh, slash the Sports Narrative. Hope to have some of you guys on there as well. Talk a little Philadelphia or just draft in general. And and I'll even forgive you for your Sixers beating up on my Mavericks last night. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> Oh man! Well, well l- listen, I-, I appreciate you like one of being those actual Dallas fans in Dallas, number one and two, actually being a cu- uh, being actual Dallas Mavericks fan because you know we always got them the weird Dallas fans as a Cowboys fan and like a and whatever the hottest team in the NBA is. Yeah, you, you know, front runners, you can't right, you can't go with that. Now I will say. Gave up my Dallas Cowboys card way back in the 1996 because I just couldn't root for Jerry Jones. So you don't have to don't have to paint me with that scarlet letter. But uh, ride or die with my Mavs and Stars and, and Rangers around here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, absolutely. Um, but real quick before we uh, get into the uh, NFL draft, uh, how do you feel about you know Texas uh, trying to go full capacity with uh, you know the sporting events? You know it's. It's one of those things, and, and man, it's different all across the country um, in the way that, you know, the, the way that different places are, are reacting and, and vaccines and all that mess. What I will say around here is that, man, a ton of people, especially in the North Texas area, have gotten vaccinated, including myself. 
Um, you know, it has, we have rolled it out really well here. You know, we've got the Texas Motor Speedway and the, the big racetrack that they've been pumping through 10,000 people a day easily uh, out there. And so, you know, it's one of those things where, like, I understand, like, if you're cooped up and, you know, like I said, where you guys are, like, you know, New York or California and, like, you know, you think the world's going to end, you've been hiding in your house for a whole year. Like, man, I get it, and I get how it looks insane. But from our perspective here, now look, do I want everybody to wear a mask? Well, yeah, but that's probably not going to happen. But, again, Texas is just different, man, and, and I think it's one of those things where, you know, it's worked out well here. It seems to be fine. I think, I think you know, we're opening up, and we're pretty much almost, almost, knock on wood, back to normal around here. Wow. Yeah. So come to Texas. It's great. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Never been down there. I definitely got to put that on my bucket list. My mom's down there. Don't now. come in the summer. It's hot as hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, with, you know, the draft being a little bit over two weeks away, um, so how's your uh, updated mock draft has been going? Oh, man, it's good. You can find my – I just put one up today on Twitter, uh, pinned it to the top of the profile at Sports Narrative. And, uh, you know, it's it's funny. I'm starting to – because, of course – okay, so what happens is after they've got through all the pro days, mm-hmm. all the teams sit down, and it was basically the first week of April – first weekend in April, they all sat down and they all finalized their boards. Mm-hmm. Everybody figures out what they need. There's no some more surprises. There's no more ups. There's no more downs. There's no more any of that stuff. It's set. Everybody's mm-hmm. set. So anything else you hear is BS, right? From here on out, everything you hear is smoke, okay? So teams have set where they know what they're going to do. They have their plans. They have their strategies. You know, Now, there's still a little bit of jockeying, like, hey, maybe we could get this guy. A couple of teams will have deals kind of under the table of, like, hey, if this happens here, you know, we're going to do this, blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. All that's pretty well set in place. So what I can tell you is Atlanta is where the draft starts. I think, because obviously Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, put it in pen. You're going to get those on the mock draft, right? Make all your bets you want. Three is interesting mm-hmm. because San Francisco's being coy. I don't buy the Mac Jones thing. I don't either. I just don't. I think, look, the only person that's told us that is Adam Schefter, and then everybody jumped on the, on the pile, mm-hmm. right? I don't buy it. I just don't. I think at the end of the day, they're going to end up taking Justin Fields, unless – Fields just has something weird in his background, which I've never heard. So, like I said, I think it's going to be Fields, and I think what then Atlanta is doing, and the reason you're not going to see another big trade prior to the draft, is because Atlanta doesn't know, right? They won't know who's there. They don't know if Fields is there or Lance is there or Matt Jones is there. Mm-hmm. So they can't make a deal, but I guarantee you they have already talked to teams about trading up for one of the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I think they've made, they've talked about trading up for maybe Kyle Pitts. And so that's where I think it happens in my personal mock draft on sports narrative, uh, net. We have, I have Washington moving up and I have them paying, paying big freight. Right. Uh, I think they're the team that makes the most sense. I think there's a team that has, that is the most ready to win mm-hmm. and can give away future assets. You know, the bears, I don't know. Uh, you know, New England's not in their nature to trade up like that. Uh, Denver, I think, is going to kind of sit pat and see what they have in Drew Locke, or unless somebody, unless something falls in their lap. Yeah. And the only other one I think could trade up is Detroit. Um, you know, I mean, everybody talks about Jared Goff, but I don't know if they're sold on Jared Goff yet. So I think that's a possibility as well. But at the end of the day, and then, of course, like I said, there are teams 
lining up to come get Kyle Pitts. Hell, Jerry Jones has talked about it around here, which is insane. But um, when you have a historically bad defense, but whatever. Uh, I know the Jets have talked about it, coming up from 23 to come get Kyle Pitts because he's George Kittle with speed for that San Francisco offense they're going to run. So all of that. I think the draft starts at Atlanta. I think that's where there's going to be major action on the clock. And this is why I think Washington can make that trade because when you're on the clock, when you're up against it, you don't have time to leverage and say, hey, give me 12 first-round picks. Clock's ticking. So I think that deal has been discussed. I think Washington will come up for Trey Lance at that fourth pick. And then I think you'll see Mac Jones kind of slide down the board. I actually have him falling all the way to 20 to the Bears. Mm-hmm. Hey Jeff, Mark here. Question: So, in your mark, in your mock draft, who do you have the Philadelphia Eagles selecting at the number twelve pick? Okay, so this is interesting. So, uh, here I'll run it down real quick because I have the trade up for the quarterback. I have Pitts five going to Cincinnati, Chase six going to Miami, uh, Waddle going to the Lions, uh, Sewell to the Panthers at eight, Awusu Koromora going to the Broncos at nine because Ooh. he's Roquan Smith. Mm. That makes sense. Certain mm. to the Cowboys, Slater to the Giants, mm. and then Philadelphia sitting there at 12. I know J.C. Horn is there, and I know you want him, but I think they're going offense. I think they're going to add weapons. I, I'm going to give them Devontae Smith mm. uh, as trying to build up that offense and see what the young kids got before they have to figure out what they need a new quarterback in the future. So I have them with Devontae Smith. That that make that makes a lot of sense. That's been like a lot of the buzz recently. Like you know, it's like okay, do we try wide receiver again because we did that last year with our pick? But it's like we have so many issues in the secondary, and it's like if Patrick Sertain is there or J.C. Horn is there, it's kind of tough to pass it up. But that's definitely an interesting selection. The Alabama connection. It, it, I know it is, and and I think they will really struggle with that. Uh, by the way, I have Horn going the very next pick to the Chargers. Yeah. Oh. Um, and so, like, it's, it's all right in that area, and I could easily see those two swapping, right? Um, there is a ton of depth of wide receiver in this draft, so yes. they could wait. But if one of the top four, Devontae year. or Waddle um, or, you know, Pitts and Chase, if one of those four is there, man, I think, I think that's the way they'll lean. I think Jeffrey Lurie kind of alluded to that this week. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's the way they would lean. And then you get cornerback later down the line. Because, um, again, you don't need a number one corner, technically. You need a number two corner, right? Yeah. And so that you can get down the line. Uh, I, I think you can't get a Devontae Smith in the second round. So I think that would be the way they would lean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, when I did my mind draft, I said J.C. Horn to Philadelphia because they've been doing a lot of conversations and talking with um, LSU uh, wide receiver, the not Jamar Chase, uh, Terrence Marshall, so a lot of people have Terrence Marshall going early in the second round. So that's why I have yep. Horn going to 12 as opposed to, you know, drafting Devontae Smith. Yeah, I think, I think Marshall is going to really get pushed up. I wouldn't be surprised if he's the next wide receiver off the board after these guys. You know, I know there's a lot of talk about Bateman and all of that, but I, I've heard a lot of buzz on, on Marshall. You know, apparently some of the issues that people had about him, you know, kind of checking out halfway through the season last year. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently some of that's been just kind of figured out. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's the next guy off the board. If he, he could even sneak into that late first round with a team like the Packers or the Chiefs or mm-hmm. somebody like that. Um, and and, and uh, Bateman, maybe fall away out, maybe even as high as Baltimore, because we know they need wide receivers too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so the biggest thing about this draft is that a lot of people are going a little bit sour in terms of, like, just defensive linemen in general. Um, so, and during your mock draft, um, how many defensive linemen, like pass rushers, do you have going in the first round, if any? Uh, several, actually. Um, so this is one of the other reasons why I think Atlanta would be willing to trade down, because really their biggest need is pass rusher, and there's not one worth it at four. But there is plenty worth it down in the middle of those rounds, right? Uh, I've got my first pass rusher off the board is Aziz Ojolari going to the Dolphins at 18. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then the very next pick I had Atlanta with the trade down with Washington uh, taking Quiddy Pay. I think you'll see Jalen Phillips is a tough one because he's pass rusher number one. Mm -hmm. There is no question. But a dude that had five concussions and was told to retire in college is problematic. So I could see a team like maybe the Colts. If somebody checks out his medicals, I could see somebody like, again, the Colts, the Bills, the Chiefs, somebody in that range. Uh, And I think Greg Rousseau, I think, will probably sneak into the back half of the round also with one of those big contender teams. Mm -hmm. So I've got four going off the board early. And then the other one you could see is Jason Owe, Mm -hmm. uh, the kid out of Pitt, who had zero sacks, but, man, he had a ton of pressures. And so it's, it's kind of an analytics thing where I could see him I actually have him as the very last pick of the first round going to the Tampa Bay Bucks. So how do you feel about uh, – oh, man. Uh, yeah, because when I'm reading a lot of mock, several mock drafts, I had, uh, I see uh, Carlos Boogie Basham's um, going 32. So uh, what about uh, Owe is uh, – do you feel like uh, does more than uh, Carlos Basham? You know, Boogie is – do I love him as a player. But the problem is, is he's a strong side DN. Like – He's, a, he's your run stuffer. He's your complimentary guy. He's the guy you want opposite of Miles Garrett, like if you're in Cleveland, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't take that guy in the first round, I don't think. And so, like, I think Boogie's a guy that's going to fall somewhere right in those 30s and 40s in the early first uh, part of the second round. Uh, Owe is a guy who, I mean, again, you don't have any sacks, but, man, he is absolutely proven. You turn on the tape, the guy's in the backfield every single play. Mm-hmm. He's got those skills. Uh, especially in Tampa with a team that's playing a little bit more of a 3-4, so he's a little bit more of a stand-up outside linebacker type. Um, I think that would just be much more of a fit uh, than Boogie, who's going to be much more of a 4-3 hand in the ground, kind of like Demarcus Lawrence. He's basically Demarcus Lawrence without the uh, really good hands. Yeah, and uh, obviously I know because last time we've uh, talked, uh, you're a Jets fan. So obviously number two, that pick is going to be Zach Wilson. If I had any money, I'd probably bet on it. So the next pick that uh, interests me is uh, pick 23 because in some drafts, uh, you guys are picking running back, whether it be Najee Harris or Travis Etienne, whichever one falls. And then in another draft, you have like possibly go cornerback. So in your your mock draft, uh, who do you have the Jets taking at 23? So – all Jets fans, I think, should be hitting their knees. So the ideal pick there should be hitting their knees to go pick either Elijah Vera Tucker if he slides because he plugs in a guard and he's an absolute monster, mm-hmm. yeah. or Greg Newsom. I would lean towards Greg Newsom. I love the kid out of Northwestern. I think he's perfect for this, for this uh, defense and playing that cover three and giving you the ability to both match up and play the zone. He's really, really smart. He's got great hands. Um, and the fall off is the big thing here because, so there's a thing that I've always talked about and we'll talk about on the draft uh, special there on YouTube all the time is about vertical drafting. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, when they do mock drafts, they just look at, okay, this team needs this. I'm going to plug this in here. Right. Mm-hmm. But 
when you look at vertical drafting, what you're talking about is I have four needs. I need to fill them with these four picks. Where can I best maneuver in the draft? In other words, are there guards I can get later on in the third round and can still start for me? Yes. Okay. Well, then maybe if, if I've got Vera Tucker and Newsom there, I want to take Newsom because the fall off to the next cornerback is so much more, right? Mm-hmm. And these are the calculations that you're doing when you're looking at a board and you're marking off individual positions. If that position starts to get lean, then that's when you start thinking about, well, maybe I want to move up for my guy. So Greg Newsom's my pick. That's who I want at 23. I think at 34, the Jets could take somebody like Alex Leatherwood, uh, maybe Trey Smith, the guard from uh, Tennessee, or Wyatt Davis uh, in one of those spots. And even then, if there's a better player available, hell, if Etienne falls to me at 34, why not? Let's get him. Now, I don't think the Jets will take a running back early because it doesn't seem to fit that system. They seem more of a running back by committee. You know, nobody had ever heard of Raheem Mostert before he became Raheem Mostert, right? That's true. So I think that's the kind of system that you're going to see. But, I mean, if a guy like Etienne falls in your lap, you take him. So, Jeff, this is kind of off topic. We're going to kind of draft heavy. So, are you a Dallas native? I am, yep. Born and raised. Okay, cool. So, I've been to Dallas once. Really cool city. I enjoyed myself. I went in, like, 2016. So, I have a question for you. So, as a Dallas native, I want to know, since we're talking about drafting, so if you had to draft two local – I'm going to give you two names. So, two places that I had that I thought were amazing. First off, Whataburger. Second off, Taco Casa. Have you had Taco Casa? Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So if you had to pick, like, it's like the end of the world and you got to pick one fast food spot in Dallas, Hmm. what would you pick under those two in the top two? Who are you drafting? Who are you taking? There is no question you ride or die with Whataburger around here. Okay. You get you some some spicy ketchup. (laughs) You get you the – dude, it blows in and out out of the way. It's hands down. There is no question. Okay. You got to go Whataburger. You come to Dallas, go to a Whataburger, <laughs> get you a big double with bacon. It goes hard, man. That's what you got to do. Whataburger is the king. Okay. It's so, I honestly would agree with you. I loved it. It was so good. When we and my best friend went, we were like, they, we need to have this at home. We were like going crazy. I know, right? That's, that's what I'm saying. Is And in fact, it's crazy because it just got bought by a company that's not in Texas and it was a very big scandal around here. Oh, wow. But uh, they're starting to franchise them out a little bit, you know, kind of like what In-N-Out did and all that stuff from mm-hmm. California. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's slowly expanding. But, yeah, if you come to Texas, you've got to have a Whataburger. It's kind of a thing. Agreed. Thank you. Had to ask. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Jeff, um, how, what do you feel like um, – just a few more questions before I let you go. So with, yeah. um, obviously, um, who do you feel like is had that everybody feels going to go in the first round, but you feel like he's might slip into, you know, like an early day two pick. Oh, uh, I would say Travis Etienne's definitely a, a potential guy who could slide, uh, running backs traditionally slide. I think that's definitely a guy on the board. Uh, I think Rashad Bateman is a guy who could definitely slide just because he's kind of, uh, He's a good B player all across the board, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. not really an A player. He's probably taps out at a, at a number two wide receiver, maybe a number one if, you know. But he's just kind of a guy. So I think I think Bateman could slide out of the first round. I think Etienne could slide out of the first round. Uh, I think Merrig, um, the safety from TCU around here, 
has a chance to slide out of the first round and then be the very first player selected with Jacksonville at 33. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the only other one I would say, and this is, I think a lot of people have passed on Christian Barmore uh, and have had him slide because he's just kind of a run stuffer. Mm -hmm. I hear the league is higher on him than, than, you know, draft Twitter and all of that stuff. But, but I could see Barmore again, slide out of the first round and then be the very first pick by Jacksonville. Uh, to fill that hole that Tyson Alualu left uh, via Twitch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Jeff, one more question before we uh, uh, before we let you go. So, what is your Absolutely. biggest um, hot take, especially for uh, night one of the NFL draft? Uh, well, I've got a couple. So, one, as I mentioned, Awusu Koromora going to the Broncos at nine. I think it will be the first linebacker off the board. I think that can make you a little bit of money as uh, you uh, so are so Bovada inclined. I do like Jay. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think uh, I think the Cardinals at sixteen are taking Najee Harris. I don't. I don't think there's any question. I think signing James Conner today just solidified that for me. They're taking Najee Harris at sixteen if he's there. Um, I think the Patriots will pass on a quarterback. I think a quarterback could. I think Mac Jones could land right in their lap and they'll say nah. Uh, I hear they really like Kellen Mond, and that might be a second, third round guy for them. Ooh. So uh, I think the Patriots would pass on a quarterback, and I think Mac Jones, if he and does get past the 49ers at three, uh, could slide a little while. I think he could be very much in that Aaron Rodgers sitting around the green room for a while. So uh, I think those are all big. And then let's see, what else? I think that's about it. I think um, – I think what you're going to really see in this draft this year is a lot less trades mm-hmm. because I think the trade market's going to be so swamped. I think you're going to see fewer moves, fewer trades, people sticking to their boards uh, a lot more. And I think there's going to be a little bit of like friendly competition. I think there's going to be a little bit of, you know, the Steelers take Creed Humphrey because they know Baltimore wants him, right? Like they need him too, but I think they would take him, right? Or, or, um, you know, just those kind of little, just kind of little petty moves that I think some teams will make. Dude, the Eagles have been doing this for years with the Cowboys. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they traded up to number nine and took Patrick Sertain just to stick it to the Cowboys. It would be a brilliant, and I would love it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah. Our division stinks now. That's that's actually word for word with exactly what we did when we did our mock draft. The reason why the NFC <laughs> East can't get ahead is because we keep taking our picks. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, uh, Jeff, uh, thanks you for once again, you know, taking the time to, uh, you know, talk to us about the NFL draft. You will definitely be, um, you'll definitely have running back, uh, the running back sports team on the, uh, on the YouTube show for uh, the NFL draft. Awesome, man. Like I said, youtube.com slash the sports narrative. We're going to broadcast as much of the draft as we possibly can with sound, with guests, with these guys. It's going to be fun. Please check it out. All right, man. Take it easy. Take it easy. All right. Thank All right. you. Bye y'all. Bye. Chris was just in his bag. Every everything that Jeff was saying, Chris was like, mmm, mmm. How's man. it feel with someone really knows this listen, stuff? Listen, listen, man, Chris? football's therapeutic for me. I yes. know, I see. Like getting all the all the knowledge, all the all it's the just, logical guessing. Oh. But they're probably gonna do this because of this. Maybe this. They need this, oh, but not that this. Makes sense. But this, but this. <laughs> It's all just like, well, if, but. It's beautiful, though. I love it. But it's funny because you could be right. Y'all could be right. Yeah, no, um, his point about, you know. No, his point about, you know, like drafting for need as opposed to, like, you know, looking like, okay, can I get this cornerback? Can I get another cornerback to fill my needs? Because 
the drop off is like you know like that dang. that makes sense you yeah. need to make a move and get your guy while you can yeah exactly so i've for you just stuck yeah stuck like chuck yeah so, so once again you're listening to 98.5 wjym running back sports show sports for the culture chris car mark here we got about 20 ish minutes left you want yeah. to call in to join the discussion Two one five seven six three nine five nine six. Yeah, that's right the uh phone line is officially open so, wide open. Yo, so we never really talked about the Philadelphia Eagles and the athletic article. Yeah, no. Like, I think no, we need to get into that, it. Man. Like, I think we need to get into it. So, yeah, man. Go ahead, Chris. Lead it off. Yeah, so apparently there was a... Okay, let's get rid of this for a con. Yeah, apology. give her a con stuff. Clark! Clark and Eddie! There has what, been, what, what do I have to do for y'all to chill with the fur con stuff? We're never gonna chill. number one, number one, y'all it's know when people actually play well, I give them props. Do you calm when yo when you were out for your for a couple of times, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Uh-huh. I was out here uh-huh. holding it down for Ben. Chris, Chris, was I or was I not? You was. All right. I was like hurt that she wasn't here. Shock. I'm like, wow, like shocking all. Like this is like the only time me and Carm would not fight. <laughs> Maybe Carm needs to just leave again. Okay, great. Bye. Bye, y'all. I'm good off him. No, I'm kidding. I wouldn't trade you for anything. Aw, <laughs> thanks, Christopher. Oh, they about to get all sappy and whatnot. <laughs> oh, no. Then again, Taylor Rooks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Anywho, okay, so about the South Carolina oh, article anyway, about that the no athletic. one can read unless you subscribe. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm not paying. Listen, I got a dollar, but I'm not paying that dollar. But uh, apparently there was an article that dropped earlier this week uh, from The Athletic explained how Philadelphia Eagles owner Jeffrey Lurie and GM Howard Roseman, Michael Mann, and former Doug Peterson, even according to one source, treated him like a baby. Mm. So um, this is on the uh, 94WIP uh, page. So Peterson was ridiculed for every decision. A source told The Athletic, if you won by three, it wasn't enough. If you won the last second field goal, you're the worst coach in history. Which, ironically enough, that last minute field goal is what sparked that Super Bowl run. But Peterson was reportedly forced to have sit down meetings with Lurie and Roseman every Tuesday, where his decisions were scrutinized. This overmanaging by Harry by Harry Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie is nothing we haven't heard from dating all the way back to Chip Kelly. Mm. Now, the Eagles still with Roseman, helm with personal decisions, will now turn to Nick Sirianni. Wow. Hmm. So that so now it makes sense why we got Nick Sirianni. Because he's just going to be a glorified yes man. And it's like, all right, look, this is what we're going to do. This is how it's going to work out. It makes sense because, yo, Doug Peterson, he used to look stressed. Yeah. Like, I hate hate my job type stress. And now we know why. Uh, Clearly. So is this... Is this coming from a like a reliable source from that? Like where yeah. is this coming from? Yeah, yeah. I mean there were also leaks out there. Yeah, listen, as soon as like the article broke out, like we also heard, you know, ex scout Billy Daniel Jeremiah also, you know, said his piece as well. Former players are Trey talking Burton, about it too. As well. Yeah. And uh, apparently during the article um from the athletic, it actually said that, you know, during the twenty seventeen season after, you know, going seven and nine in Doug Peterson's rookie year, there are actually plans in place. Um, that if the Eagles were about to lose, they were going to hire in-house Jim Schwartz to take over the team. Wow. Hmm. And that's not even a shock because it was already like rumors like, hey, why is this, you know, inexperienced Doug Peterson coming in to be a coach? We got Jim Schwartz who's run the Lions for years and then boom, boom, boom. If it doesn't go, I just, I don't know. It's just super messy and it it gives the Eagles that, and, a and, really and, bad look. Yeah, and honestly, that's all it is. It's just messy. I'm like, I've never seen um, 
Well, not, that that's a lot. That's a lot. I'm 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 capping. I'm like yeah. I've seen nothing that messy. I'm like yeah. This no, you seen like the Browns? Dang, <laughs> Dougie. The Browns, yeah. Like the Cowboys. Dang, Doug. Um, took, you took you fell on the sword, huh? That I, that stinks though. So yeah. let me. So uh, there was also like another thing where it's like we know like coming up the Eagles are probably gonna be bad. Like they're prob there's like a high probability that they're gonna stink. Are y'all still gonna like watch the games? What do all Philadelphia fans do? I'm I'm just asking because I mean we watch. I, I know I'll watch. I'll still bad. watch. I'll still watch. I, like, but I don't know if I'll have that same passion. Listen, I feel like for, what I'm saying is if you can watch Sixer games with Ben Simmons, you can watch Jalen Hurts. You'll be fine. Yeah, you're probably right. You're yeah, probably right. Exactly. I'll, and the crazy thing is because I already have zero expectations for the Eagles versus the Sixers. Like I want, like I feel like they have an opportunity to actually win a championship. I feel like if the Eagles do anything and I'm watching the game, I'm probably gonna lose my mind and act like they won the I Super mean, Bowl. Listen, Jalen, you know he's a young guy. Who I knows? think he's gonna be so good. Yeah, I really think he is. I feel like he has high work ethic. Yeah. Oh man, and to make matters worse than the Enquirer, um, by Marcus Hayes, he actually there was an article that came out saying that Boyer was convinced that offensive coordinator Frank Reich would have been fired during after the 2016 season. However, thanks to you know Carson Wentz pretty much stepping in, that didn't happen as well. Wow. So he Carson Wentz not only saved you know Frank Reich's job, he also saved Doug Peterson as well. Wow. Well, this just sounds like a very toxic. Yeah. working environment at the Eagles. Yeah. And this is nothing, obviously it's no surprise because as we all know, people in high positions with high power, with money, usually they kind of have that ego with my way or the highway and it turns into a tax situation because if you're not, it's just kind of like, you know, a dictatorship. It's like, you know, on my, you know, on my train, you can get on off. You can, you know, pretty much hit an X. Right. Yeah, you man. get it? And listen, I'm listen. I'm a guy who doesn't. And honestly, I'm a guy who doesn't really have a lot of sources. But from from accounts that, from what I've heard, also is from Chris's sources. Um, like especially like you know like during like the last two years, um, it it was like inmates running the asylum. It was like there was like everything was micromanaged. Everybody had assistance, and then you had assistance to the assistants. And yeah. think about being and micromanaged. Honestly, like, most of the, you know, head coaches, like, they couldn't wait to get out of there. Like, Jim Swartz pretty much fake retirement. Then he took another job to another organization as well. Where'd he go? Uh, yeah, let me look that up real quick. I didn't even but know yeah. that happened. That's so wild. But either way, just think about working at a regular job with a micromanager. How yeah. it makes you feel. How oh, the morale of a team, uh, your, your co-workers is. Yeah, he's an assistant senior, um, Assistant, um, senior defensive assistant for the Tennessee Titans. Didn't know that. So that's what I'm saying. So imagine a micromanager as a big, high-powered, money-making machine like the Eagles are supposed to be, and add in fans, add in the public, add in the media. It's just, a, it's a mess. Yeah, it's it's a crap it's show. Bad. But it's not a surprise because a lot of these things are probably going on in a lot of organizations. Just as like I said, just like they were saying, I read an article about the whole um, Jerry Jones thing, like how he. Um, He's been this way for the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. And this is, and everyone from the Eagles always like screams how, oh, we're not him. We're not like him. But it's like, in real, we're, in reality, we're, we're a lot are more, we? Yeah, are we not? Might be even so worse. We're, our rival, our dead rivals, we hate you, can't stand you, the Cowboys. It's we're like a lot like them. The yeah, we, yeah, we're a lot like them. Though. We think, and honestly, with the whole, as we talked about with our drafts, with the pettiness of taking people because other people want them, et cetera, et cetera, it's just kind of like the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah. And, I think there will be no true succeeding if you don't let people do their jobs. It's like, let scout scout, let people do what they're supposed to do. Every, here's the thing. You can be an amazing 
person in any field, but you ain't everything. No one is everything. So there's people in delegation for a reason. Let that happen mm -hmm. because people are experts for a reason. We can know, think we know sports, but there's always someone who can come in and help us because every, people have different perspectives. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, there was even rumors like they were sense. they were listening to like analytics guys like over like people who actually scout. NFL yeah, that's what I was seeing eyes. too. That's what I was reading like, on Yeah, they too. have their own personal like. Like, how insane is that? You want to go over numbers versus your eyes? So what's the point of even having a staff and having anyone if you're just going to make the decision anyway? Just to fill a quota. Right, right. right. But just, that's, yeah. but I, I hate that even in a workplace, too. It's like, why even have me here doing this job and you just want me to do it the way you want me to do it? And if mm -hmm. I don't do it that way, then it's a problem. Mm -hmm. That's America and it's all in itself. So that's, but here's the thing that's what happens when you have money and power. It's the key to life. Any kind of power in life, you just some people just take it and run with it and go go bad pretty much. Money, power, respect. Mm. Means you eating right. Yeah. Um. Okay. So Mark is on a roll today. It's like no. Rest in peace, DMX. Though my bad. Christopher Rest Thomas, piece, are we going to have your intro to your the finish of your mock draft? You said you were going to give the fans. You forgot. He just the eleven to twenty. Yeah, eleven, 11 to twenty one. Of your mock draft. Yeah, so ladies, two teams, so I did twenty one. So listen, everyone, ladies open and gentlemen, I just I just want to say we're back again with Christopher Thomas and his 2021 NFL mock draft. He's coming in hot. He got the cut. He got semi-lineup. He's coming in. Let's do it. Mock draft number 11, Chris Thomas. Who you got? All right. So anyway, um, so with number 11, New York. Yo, bring, bring the heat. Bring the bring heat. The I want to hear some bring enthusiasm, heat, man. This is All Chris right. Thomas's mock draft 11 to 21. We've been waiting for this since last week. Right. Okay. With the number 11 pick, the New York Giants run the clock, and the New York Giants select uh, offensive lineman from Northwestern, Rashard Slater. Hmm. Okay. It makes the most sense. This is the really the only move they can really do. They had a really solid, they were really solid all season. They signed a corner in the door Jackson. He's going to be playing, um, you know, right across on James Bradbury. Their defense is already like top 12. I can imagine yeah. going up, you know, probably top 10 this season with another year of continuity. They signed Kenny Galladay. So no no weapons though. I mean, I get having a solid offensive you, line, but uh, you got Evan Ingram, Kenny. You just signed Kenny Galladay. So Saquon Barkley's coming off of ACL. So true. You need you need an offensive lineman. And uh, he looks like he's recovering very well. Yeah. So you need somebody to not only help you know Saquon Barkley you know get off the box because those first two weeks when uh, watching him run was absolutely brutal. It's I mean, granted, I mean Pittsburgh's. And uh, Chicago's front uh, front sevens are no joke, but the Giants were just getting no leverage and no push all season. So Rashard Slater, he comes in, he fills the need. He not only you know opens the lanes for Saquon Barkley, he also protects Daniel Jones. Mm -hmm. Number twelve, Eagles select cornerback uh, uh, J.C. Horn from University of South I knew, Carolina. I knew you'd go there. Okay, you've been screaming corner. You had mentioned him yeah. a lot in the even, beginning. Even when we still had the number six pick, you still want yes. corner. <laughs> Because you want to know last time the Eagles picked the cornerback in the first round? I, I, I can't. Ooh, when Neil Shepard? Yes, was 2002. It? Nearly 20 years ago. Wow. Mm. And it shows because our cornerbacks have Yes. Been... And you want to know the last time? You know what happened? You want to know the last cornerback that we drafted from the University of South Carolina? Who? Take a guess. Leo Shepard? No. Oh. No, he played for Florida, actually. I don't know. He, I'll give you a hint. He was Leo Shepard's teammate. Sheldon Brown? Correct. Ah, mm. I see, I see. So all the parallels are there. So it's time for a cornerback. Yes, it's time for a cornerback. So just okay. to kind of go back off of what um, 
uh, Jeff was saying earlier. Yes. So, because you're like, hey, no, we need we need a like a cornerback, and he's like, oh, no, you already got a number one. I feel like it doesn't matter if you're able to somehow like with having Darius Slay there. If you're still able to have another number one on the other side. That's just even better. Yeah, because in the end, like Darius Slay's thirty. So how long do you really expect him to play at a high level? Exactly. You're going to need somebody in that system that's going to eventually turn into a number one. And I mean, those cornerbacks, if they're locking up those receivers and they can't yeah, actually get to their routes, now our defensive line that we pay so much money for can finally get to the quarterback. Yeah. So you're playing Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb twice a year. Right. Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin twice a year. Yep. Kenny Holiday, Darius Slayton twice a year. Yep. You're going to need somebody to help Darius Slay because Avanti Maddox is not going to help you. But see, this is a this is like also a little bit of a fear pick because of what we go up against. It's not Even fair. though it's we not know fair. we need help in the secondary, but I'm sure we can go other places at number twelve, and you know that. I mean, we could we could, we could we still could. go linebacker. You know, we could we could still mess around and actually get a receiver. Honestly, the only the only linebacker I want is uh, Jeremiah Wuzakormor from uh, Notre Dame. That's the only linebacker I take. But that's still a need for the Eagles. Yeah, like if you're, if you take away from what the other teams in our division are doing, yeah. then it's like, all right, well, do we really need to go like secondary right now? So, but no, I'm I'm just playing devil's advocate. Okay, that's fine. And uh, we only got a few minutes left, so got a uh, speed rush this. Uh, really 13. Yeah, uh, LA Chargers select Christian Darisol, offensive lineman for Virginia Tech. The Chargers have made it a point to address their offensive line during free agency, mm-hmm. and they still need you know some help there for Justin Herbert. Yeah, he's and, tough. Yeah, if you know if they make this pick, Justin Herbert is definitely going to have a strong sophomore campaign. And more importantly, just some free fantasy advice. He's a fantasy sleeper during the mid rounds if you want to get Justin Herbert. Bro, 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 bro. Fourteen. Who's fourteen? It's April. You already talking fantasy? Yeah, I am. Chill. I wanted to try to do my trash yesterday, but ESPN though. wouldn't allow me. Listen, All right. we're getting through this list. So, All right, 14, Minnesota Vikings, Kitty Payne, um, de- defensive lineman, Michigan. Okay. Vikings had the worst pass rush last year, 23 sacks, uh, third lo- lowest uh, quarterback pressures in the NFL. Dying. You're getting Daniel Hunter back. You need somebody else on the, off- on the line to help him. Okay. 15, mm-hmm. I'm... I'm not like I understand what Jeff was saying, but I'm not buying it. The Patriots select Mac Jones. Mm. It's a solid transition. You got Cam for one year. Mac Jones will come in uh, fully integrated to the system with Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. It's okay. a, it'll be a smooth transition. Right. Number sixteen, Arizona Arizona Cardinals select Elijah Barry Tucker, offensive line USC. Uh, he can play both guard and tackle position. Nice. Um, he did a really good job replacing Austin Jackson down at USC. Kyle Murray's got sacked 75 times in his first two years. Jesus Christ. So he needs some help in the offensive line and to hopefully open up the running game. Number 17, the Las Vegas Raiders select Jalen Waddle. You lost Dustin Aguilar. You don't have a number one wide receiver. And you need you – need No, who did they get last year? Henry Ruggs didn't really show me that much. So okay. you, you get another speedster from Alabama. You double dip uh, two years in a row getting Alabama wide receivers. Hopefully, uh, that's a lot of speed. Uh, you still got Darren Waller. Hopefully, Derek Carr will be able to still salvage his career before looking somewhere else. <laughs> Number 18, uh, the Miami Dolphins like Travis Etienne. Um, oh, wow, you got him 18? Yeah, to the Miami Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, Bryce Patrick was your leading rusher. Last year, your leading rusher had 584 yards. You need, you, need, you need somebody, and you need to bring somebody in that room because I'm not a fan of any uh, Dolphins. Uh, running back in the room right now. Yeah, but running back isn't necessarily something that they need. Yeah, well, 
It's a, it's a mock draft. I don't. I don't. Nineteen. That's a nineteen. Get out of here, Carp. All right, no, number nineteen. Uh, Washington football team selects the linebacker from Notre Dame, Jeremiah Wuzo Cormar. Um, I like John Boston, but he, I got a feeling um, Wuzo is definitely going to be, you know, a special uh, linebacker in the league. And we got that Washington front four. He's definitely going to be. Uh, it's going to be a terrifying front seven for years to come. Number 20, I told Warren this, they select Samuel Kosey, offensive lineman for Texas. Doesn't matter what quarterback's back there. You need to protect him. And number 21, uh, Anthony Costanza retired from the Colts, so they select Tevin Jenkins, offensive tackle from Oklahoma State. They've got uh, him and the Titans. The Colts and the Titans are potentially are targeting him, but with the Colts picking ahead of the Titans, I could definitely see that pick and improving that offensive line. So that's my picks, 11 to 21. And uh, with less than a minute to go, I guess it's a time to end the show. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Chris Thomas's 11 to 21. Chris, are we going to get a pickup from that next week? Or are we done? Yeah, we are. Okay, so 21 to what? 32. 21 and 32 next week, ladies and gentlemen. More of Chris Thomas's 2021 Mike Jeff's mock draft selections. Be on the lookout. It's coming. And once again, you want to I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Um, WJYN 98.5 and on time radio filler.com. And more importantly, shout out to everybody that listened to us on YouTube. And and our callers, Jeff and Nick. I appreciate you. Once again, this is Chris Thomas. Art Thompson. Chagro Carm. And this has been the Running Back Sports Show. Stretch for the culture. We are out. Later. Until next time. RIP DMX.